0: Happy New Year, everybody.
1: This is Gordo, and you're listening to Those Conspiracy Guys. This episode
0: is all about a very, very famous uh, UK entertainer called Michael Barrymore. And I would
1: say to the American people, bear with us as we discuss this man. Very important figure in uh, the entertainment industry, and a very strange and sad and weirdly, you know, poignant case uh, at the moment, the death of Stuart Lubbock. Now, for the first fucking hour, if if you're one of those people that's like, Get on with it. Uh, You probably might want to fast forward a little bit. The the man who joined me on this show is a good friend and a comedian and a fantastic actor. Sound cunt, Patser Murray. And you know what? We had an honest conversation. uh, Two straight lads just hashing it all out. And I guarantee you we said some wrong shit. And I guarantee you we said some ignorant shit. But you know what? That's all we know. Uh, And if we didn't know it, sure, look, we can be taught it. So I'd love to be able to do... Maybe uh, a live chat about this at some stage in the future. And, you you know, if you have some problems or you have some information that we didn't have or you want, you know, you want to just come and chat about it. Uh, we'll sort that out. I usually don't do intros to the true crime episodes, but I said this is the first one of the new year. 2023 is upon us. And I just wanted to preface uh, what you're about to hear. Now, there was loads and loads of really good chat and I chopped out about 40 minutes as is happening with all these episodes now in the last couple of months i'm chopping out the start kind of shenanigan fucking ball tickling flap licking preface of all these episodes and i'm chopping them up and putting them on the patreon so if you want to get the full uh unabridged version of this episode you can hit the patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys or click the link in the description it has all the links in it and head over there and there's a big jumbo sized episode i did you know wink allowed a good chunk of this episode and um It's just, you know, a very interesting chat. But if you're coming in to listen to the story about Stuart Lubbock, it's probably not very pertinent. So if you want to fast forward, please do. I'm going to be doing that going forward. There's going to be a whole bunch of changes for uh, Patreon stuff. Nothing major. Just little tweaks and stuff like that where I'm taking out all the the chaff at the start. And uh, this is one of those episodes. Really interesting case. Really important man in entertainment. And I just wanted to let all the American folks and folks who are not UK-based and who don't know Michael Barrymore... Really fucking fabulous, fabulous man, fabulous entertainer, and a very strange story. Great chats around it too, so I hope you listen with the good intention that we made the show with, (laughs) you know, keep uh, love and and goodness in your heart, and I also wanted to to wish you all a very, very happy new year, all the best wishes for 2023 and everything that it brings, and uh, you know, fingers crossed, I'm going to have a really, really good year myself. I definitely plan on it. And I've learned my lesson about over-promising and under-delivering, as, uh, as the quote goes. I live in perpetual hope that things will always work out, and that what is for you won't go past you. And I wish that for myself, and for all of ye listening. Next episode coming up will be on the Salem Witch Trials. And I have a Rothschild's Dynasty episode also in the can, as well as another smattering of true crime episodes. So, Keep your eye on the feed. If you want more stuff, head over to Patreon. So with that, thanks very much for sticking it out with me. Have a very happy new year and enjoy this wonderful episode. This is Dose Conspiracy Guys, and I'm Gordo.
0: Hitler, JFK, CryptoZoology and Conspiracy guys, this time we're
1: turning our dials back to the mid 80s with a, a classic story of tragedy and very violent anal rape. So just uh, tune your ears in. For the, I mean, anal rape was so, it was uh, that and shell suits was so 80s, uh, but this one is going all the way back to the murder of Stuart Lubbock. Same murder. Uh, he was killed. He was found dead anyway. And uh, it was in the pool of the house of uh, a beloved UK entertainer that some people may know called Michael Barrymore. This is a very, like, violently descriptive episode. There's loads of talk about bumholes and, you know, man-on-man uh, rape action. So if that's going to turn you off it, uh, basically just, like, let's <laughs> let's just slowly back out of the room on this one. Um, yeah, so Stuart Lubbock died 2001. A terrible, brutal murder, and we're talking about that today on those conspiracy guys. Uh, Michael Barrymore is a comedian, Uh was one of the most popular people in the UK all through the 80s and 90s, and uh, it happened in his house a massive scandal from 2001. And we're talking about that all day. I have with me in the studio one of uh, uh, no lie, one of my favorite people in the world, a man from back in the day when I used to tread the boards of uh, comedy clubs. And, uh, you know, professionally uh, make a show myself in front of people He is a comedian, an actor, of stage and screen, a writer, uh, a soon-to-be podcaster If I I have anything to do with it, I'm (laughs) evangelising him now He is a Dubliner and a a, a fantastic person I haven't seen him in a very long time and we've had a catch-up over the last, like, 24 hours It's been awesome Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Uh, Mr. Patser Murray, how are you doing, boss?
2: Good, good I'd love to see the way you get me on for the whole anal rape one.
1: Yeah, I mean, about, uh, you, don't fucking put it on me. I said, we should, what's your favourite true crime case? And you're like,
2: <gasps> Barrymore. I've seen it on Channel 4. We used to talk about Barrymore a year yeah. ago, didn't we? I,
1: lo- I love Michael Barrymore. Oh, what? the oh, back. Oh, back. i lo- I love Michael Barrymore. Um, I mean, even after the whole uh, uh, anal rape and murder thing, mm. it was very hard to not like him. No. And, and even no. in researching this episode, mm-hmm. I was watching videos of him and I was roaring laughing because, like, yeah. the laughs would really make you forget about the anal rape. Yeah. they would. Like, it's. it's. Maybe
2: he was telling Stuart jokes while he was. Yeah. <laughs> he laughed
1: his, laughed his arse off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I know he's dead. But that's, you know, yeah. it's the sugar that has some medicine. Do you know what? Him.
2: He was good at. He was good at sometimes just an expression without making yeah. people laugh. And he just, he'd interviewed the funny kids. And he just turned around and he just, like, the kid would say something ridiculous. And he'd just go,
1: have a, like, that. like an odd face. It'd be, it'd be cracking and, up. And, and so it'd be, many, so he, many nights, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, yeah. Sunday afternoons, yeah. um, watching Michael more, And uh, the whole thing was so surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, and yet, like, I was maybe 18 or 19, maybe 17 or 18, still in school when it happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a massive cultural thing. Like, we we'll talk about it as we go along, but. Um, before we started the research about this murder particularly yeah uh what did you think or feel about michael barrow like what did you know of this case before we started what was your opinion to just to put you in the mind of the person listening who may have never heard anything about this case at all like what did you hear what were the rumors around Don't, what you heard about this from like 21 years ago
2: i remember i remember he was he came so he came out as gay when I was about 14, 12, 13 95 I think Yeah 95 yeah And it was in a restaurant Wasn't it It was, a restaurant. It was like a pub yeah, restaurant. Karaoke bar Karaoke And he But I don't think I think he came out On the radio after that I think they Yeah it knew, was a whole
1: It was a whole big thing Yeah
2: Yeah they knew about it, But like they made a big thing out of Like they slagged them off, Like the papers were like Slagging yeah. them off about it And then when this happened because I remember people going, "You saw what he's gay." like, there was that kind of it was coming into culture. Mm-hmm. But then we all had our jokes. Michael Berry like we yeah. were everybody was a piece of shit back then. You I know? mean,
1: it was the yeah, it was par for the course. Yeah, just, and, just before Twitter it was yeah. able to cancel you, you were like, "Here's what I really think." <laughs> and then we're all like holding in our yeah, our, our yeah. bigotry and getting cancer and stuff yeah. from it, like yeah, um, <laughs> what <the fuck>? like. <laughs> Instead so of being a public bigot, I'm just getting a tumour instead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But we then, like, so that, then that happened. But I remember over the years, he was still just funny. And it just and then he had his talk show. Yeah. And people forget about that because he used to go up and sing. And, and he just make you, you'd sit down. And I remember my parents even by going to the pub. They loved the pub. And they would wait till he's over to go to the pub.
1: Just wait till they have the crack and yeah, go, and, and go. then
2: they go down. And I'm sure people went down the pub in good moods. Yeah, you no, know, because of him, he was very good. At, and, and, and I Kendi don't even Nation, know. Man. I don't even know. Was he a comedian? Was he a singer? Because we knew Billy Connolly was a comedian.
1: He was the same as like um he was the same. Like, I, I imagine as uh, Brendan Grace was here in Ireland, yeah. where he was able to do the, the stand up comedy stuff like Butler. And you remember mm, Brendan Grace? Yeah, yeah, I do. Fucking. Sure. Lo- I used to love Brendan Grace. Used Brendan to Grace. memorize his bits and all that stuff.
2: And. Um, and me dad and my ma, she uh, said, I had to get in the oven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> the dry jo- I, I,
1: I used to do, do, I used to, I learned off the joke. For, I used to have all these albums and i stand in the kitchen and i listen to the Neil Tobin and Brendan Grace uh, albums uh-huh. and oh, learn yes, them all I, off. Yeah. But there was one joke about the donkey and he was bringing it on the train. He's like, mister, can I bring the donkey on the train? <laughs> oh, you can't bring him on the train. And I do all the voice and now. <laughs> you can't bring a donkey on the train, but you're going to tie him on the back. And, uh-huh. and it was like one of those... <laughs> Jokes at three, like the first time it goes out, the donkey is and the donkey is bouncing out the tracks, and then the <laughs> next one, the donkey was being he's being dragged along the ground. Look, his face is getting <laughs> on the ground, and then the third one is like the train is going so fast that the donkey is in the air and the thing like a kite. Yeah, and, and your man Mr. Mr. me donkey. Look, he's up in the air. The <laughs> train is going too fast, and and the, the train conductor's like, oh no, he's not dead. He's just looking for, it's just looking for a way to uh, to overtake. Like, <laughs> just such a simple joke. It's not about the yeah. fucking punchline. It's about the journey <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. And uh, this, I think uh, Barrymore was about that Like he wasn't about punchlines He wasn't about like That type of comedy yeah. It was like quips It was crowd work It yeah. was His per- his personality Was uh, paramount In yeah. my mind mm. And when I heard about the murder Or at least not the Not a murder Because it wasn't a murder at the time It was like a death in his house yeah. And you're like Oh my god Like I remember something salacious From a few years ago Like Michael Barrymore being gay and there's a whole thing yeah, about like
2: yeah. he because because they had the, the gay orgy and
3: all this.
1: Yeah, so so look, okay. I won't lie, I don't know much about gay sex. <laughs> like I don't know how the dicks, like how does one dick like swallow the other dick, like how does <laughs> it how does it work? I don't know how it work. I know stuff goes up your bum, right? Yeah. And um, obviously that's facetious, but <laughs> I don't know really much about the commentary of the gay community. I see at the moment that there's a lad. I don't know if you know him, Ethan Klein. No, on YouTube, and he 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 got in a small bit of trouble a while ago because he was making comments on um this very th- this gay celebrity is very popular, uh, uh, James Charles, and there was something about like. Adult diapers And he was like Oh he's wearing adult diapers Because he gets fucked up the bum And his bum is all leaky And oh, it was just this real Not a 2022 type of a comment Especially from a fella like that yeah. Who's very leftist He's very woke He's very I, I like did Establishment hear,
2: I did hear of him actually Yeah yeah. So so he's him. in
1: trouble now He's he's getting his YouTube He's millions of followers He's getting his YouTube Kind of cancelled And his uh, advertisers Are being bounced Because it was just like Real um, uh, Just like Ignorant comments And it was yeah. kind of like just uh, You know From a place of no education, and then he got some people on to explain to him why he'd done something wrong, and he just wasn't able to. Um, he just wasn't able to understand what he had done wrong as he'd said something wrong. Now I would guarantee you, and I'm looking in the camera now and say this: I'm going to say some shit about <laughs> gay stuff. I don't know nothing about it, but I'm going to make up presumptions. I'm going to make, you know, comments that may be like wrong, insensitive, whatever. We're, we're having a laugh. Uh, <sighs> it's not coming from a place of bigotry. I'm not saying like, eh, that's yucky it doesn't matter where you, if you're want to slam your cock in the door like do that <laughs> shit that's what gets that's what makes the white stuff come out like make it happen but from when we were young it was a weird thing Patsy. like when we were in school it used to be like if someone was doing something stupid or something was doing was doing something like uncomfortable or someone was doing something that was not normal yeah like oh will you stop that's fucking
0: gay gay yeah
1: or like, ha, ha, ha that's so gay, that's so gay. Yeah. What, are you, what are you wearing that jacket for? You fucking queer. Yeah. And it was queer and faggot yeah. and gay. And it was just in the vernacular. We were just mm. calling each other that the whole time. Mm. And I can only imagine what it would be like if you were sitting, like, and in your mind, you were loving willies. Mm. And you were hearing everybody else using like faggot and queer and all as... as derogatory terms for just like being stupid or lame or crappy like it's like michael scott in the office like <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to call you faggy oscar when i was young faggy just meant like not cool but like to associate those two things with not cool it's funny how the, word, the words
2: developed, though isn't it the yeah. word fag like if you m- mothers mothers in dublin would mm. look at a baby and go come here to me you, you little faggot do you know why Because it's a bundle of sticks You're a bundle
1: A a, a bundle Or it's A a faggot is like a little sausage A little squishy sausage me Okay So it's like a fat Thick Instead of like a long A long like a Polish sausage Or like an Irish An Irish pork sausage A faggot is like a long Like a haggis Mm. It's like a faggot of and meat. so the pejorative? So the legs, the legs of the baby look like little meat ah, faggots. Ah, okay. So they're like, a oh, little ah, faggot, okay. like that. But also, but also, also the pejorative bund- is... Uh, the bundle
2: because uh, they burnt
1: they people. To, yes, they used to burn people for, for their yeah. religious improprieties. So like, yeah. it's, when you look back at that, and like yeah. the N-word and all that stuff, all of these yeah. p- pejoratives that people use, sure, we, we would use those words mm. about gayness because it was in the public domain yeah. as being like... A bad thing You're mm. talking AIDS You're talking Like this uh, the, It was yeah. the, It was the It was the fear That was built into ignorance Yeah So we didn't know What it was about yeah. So most people were afraid of it Yeah And it was associated With very real things Like people dying of AIDS mm. and Celebrities getting AIDS And dying like Freddie Mercury And stuff like that mm. And then the next thing Michael Barrymore comes out And is like He's gay And you have to go like oh, Shit I like Michael Barrymore ah. and he's gay Does that mean And then people get the fear in it because they're like, "Does that mean I'm? I'm definitely not gay because gay means like lame and shitty. I'm definitely not. No, fuck that." And they push back against it, so it's all built in like that fear and ignorance, Mm. or whatever. I'm not fucking telling anybody, and they don't know. Like this, like no, I know. Explain why people don't like being called a faggot, Gordo. But But, what I'm saying is like as a child.
2: But the reason why you're saying it, I think, is because of the press, the media, and how they did stamp down on a man who. Just happened to be gay.
1: Yeah, he just like willies and there's uh, nothing. And you know. who cares? But, but because it was the climate at the time, exactly, that it was acceptable to consider somebody who was gay in the pejorative. Yeah, that they were able to freely and without like yeah, I know. any kind of uh, pushback or any kind of like accountability, uh-huh. they were able to write these massively salacious, crazy. Uh, non-factual stories about, yeah. like, gay orgies and Barrymore and blah, 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 blah. So in the English press, they were putting out these mad, salacious fucking mm. uh, um, uh, stories about Barrymore and your man, and they were talking about how wrecked his arse was. And and about Stuart Lubbock's arse, like, it, that was the the main yeah. story, that his anus was absolutely cut into ribbons, right? Mm. What's that going to do to the public consciousness? I know what it did for us as young fellas. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Well, you definitely don't want to do that with your arse and gay lads will do stuff with your arse yeah. so be afraid of gay lads because your arse will get wrecked. Yeah. And it was just a weird thing that was yeah.
0: just allowed to
1: happen and it was mainstream. Yeah. It was the sun, it was the Daily Mail, like not so much the Guardian but still there was stories there, the news of the world, mm-hmm. like all of these rag tabloids yeah. Yeah. that were running with this thing that was like very pejorative language about Barrymore and about the gay community and about the actions or the sexual acts of gays, like, they just love shoving stuff up their holes, And and that was the prevailing feeling I got culturally as a young person when this happened at the time. Mm. It was like, like I told you that joke, that we used to tell that joke when we were in school. And it was like, like, it was culturally so significant to have Barrymore. I'm trying to tell this for the American people that are listening at home that never heard of Michael Barrymore. Yeah. Like, this motherfucker was... Bigger, like he was, he was like an English Cosby, yeah. Like he was fucking huge.
2: Well, he could be entertaining kids, could entertain you in 12 o'clock in the day and one o'clock in the morning,
1: and adults at night. He was like a Brendan Grace because he'd sing songs, but he'd also do like uh, 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 you know, dance numbers. He'd do like full entertainment stuff, dress up, he'd do sketches, he was able to act, but he'd also do but stand you're up. Explaining,
2: and... You're explaining all the reasons why we should like him and we should like him for this reason, that reason. There's actually a thing about him that you didn't know you liked him. You He didn't just, know, had, just
1: had the X factor. Yeah, just that thing that you need.
2: He just and you just went, oh, this fellas on.
1: But massively importantly, he came out as gay, Yeah. and it really, I think, in in the minds of a lot of UK people, English people, switched them on to kind of accepting it as an okay lifestyle because mm. they loved him so much, mm. and he became an icon, mm. and then they fucking tore it away. With yeah. this crazy crime that we're going to talk about on this episode mm. that like literally rocked the nation mm. and kept going for at least six or seven years. Mm. And people have be reminded of it intermittently over the over the last two decades.
2: You can't see the pain when he's interviewed in Pierce Morgan's interview. You can see the pain, the in, pain his in his face. face, yeah. You see it's like He had
1: the world in his hands, man. And it just got ripped from him. Yeah.
2: Now, at the same time, the father of Stewart. Terry, he, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of go, like, you know, when you think of it on a level of, of, my son wasn't gay. Yeah, or so this, he says. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the evidence would point to that. But this
1: is the thing, so we're going to get into all of this stuff in the episode, talking about these types of things. Mm. Like, what would be wrong if Stuart Lubbock was gay and yeah. went to the party yeah, with Michael Moore to, to get the ride, yeah. and, and then ended up having yeah. some weird thing happen with his arse, and then he bled to death and died. Like... Shit happens Sometimes yeah. Right yeah. And that's why no one has been Spoiler alert No one has been convicted of this crime mm. yet. There's nobody Like on the hook for it mm. But we could talk about Some people talk about T- Terry Lubbock Stuart Lubbock's father Talk about Terry Lubbock's homophobia The reason that he fought against this crime For so long Was because he was like My son was attacked By a bunch of like Violent gay men And, and Roger to death at a party And yeah. then tr- thrown into a pool To die mm. <laughs> Mm. And maybe he could just couldn't get over the fact that his son might be gay, and they were doing some weird shit with his arse and just something happened. and He's like, uh, "Uh, and he died." Like it, the narrative, the narrative from he, Terry's point of view is that he was like gang raped and yeah. attacked and murdered. Mm. Whereas it could have genuinely been an accident, mm. like a bomb accident. Yeah, obviously, because the,
2: the, one of the pathologists did say.
1: So yeah. We're going to draw this in detail, but yeah.
2: Yeah, he could have died of a heart attack. Yeah,
1: yeah, all of that stuff. Like, it's it's so mad. The story was so mad. But what I'm trying to get from you, Patser, is like, before this, before you went researching the, the details, yeah. this before okay. you watched the Channel 4 documentary, Barrymore, The Body in the Pool, which mm. came out in 2020 and, and reopened this whole wound for the UK mm. uh, public, um, what was the prevailing thoughts about Barrymore and about the case? So mine was that... He came out as gay And it was hard In a a time It was hard It was hard in a time When like being gay Meant Oh that's gay Like it was Gay meant like shitty Mm. And like terrible And you know In in the vernacular It also meant like Dangerous And Mm. Underground And dirty And uh, Seedy And Mm, you know Like wanking lads off In dark rooms And fucking cum guzzlers and you know fisting up the arse and fucking daisy chaining and docking and sounding and cock fights and you know fingering up the bum and all this mad salacious dirty sex like that's what people would would thought of gays at the time also Um,
2: one little thing though as well yeah at the time I remember people starting to enjoy or some way rebel against say celebrities acting stupid yeah and so you see on Twitter now celebrity become less, less celebrities. Reverend. So you're able to attack a celebrity on Twitter now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like there was incidents around that time where was that a bit after where Tom Cruise was jumping up and down on the Oprah Winfrey Show? Oh, well, that was a
1: good bit after it, yeah.
2: But there was similar things That happened around Where yeah. people were Tucked down yeah. And it's continuing All along who the f- like, it's like it's a real Irish thing Who the fuck Do you think you are
1: Exactly all the, I think it was With the advent Of the internet instead of,
2: instead of Who do you think you are You should have a show From an Ireland perspective Who the fuck Do you think you are Who the fuck Do you think you are
1: <laughs> And then you have to Just prove yourself In front yeah. of a room Full of people It's like reverse X factor yeah. Where it's like A lot of celebrities Have to justify their careers To like okay. a panel Of four members Of the public And it's like A young lad An old one you know, yeah, and yeah. it's just like. Uh, no, I'm not going to give you the golden buzzer. I don't like your music, uh, and you have a weird face. Yeah, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, you just turned me off. Me, me, tea.
1: Your career is over. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Yeah, it's like That's... a mix between the the Apprentice and X Factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like it so was, that... it was such a, it was such a cultural milestone. Mm. Barrymore, mm. as an entertainer, all through the '80s and '90s, comes out as being gay. Everyone had to change how they thought about. Yeah, because everyone was.
2: the negative, the negative. Yes. Talk at the kitchen table is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because all the all we had, we didn't have the internet, but we had the internet, but we didn't have the, the 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 news platforms. So we had the paper, and every paper, this fella knows something, and this fella was raped, more yeah. or less, and he died. and a Horrible it, fella.
1: It was like the uh, the advent of the fall of the paper, the paper, like the paper, yeah, as the um, the main voice for society's knowledge, yeah, because two thousand and one, this crime happened, yeah, and the internet was well, like .com and all that stuff. Bubble, like the internet was well on its way. You're talking about like Windows XP. Everyone had their little laptops and computers. Like it wasn't like, yeah, you know, <laughs> in the nineties, you had one computer for the whole house, and you had to like wind it up to start at Like <laughs> those African radios and stuff like that. Yeah. Like. This was like everyone was starting to get onto the internet, right? Mm. So people were able to make their own opinions. Yeah, it wasn't just down to the paper. There was websites now that were like more popular than mm. some newspapers. Yeah, because people were like, "Oh, I, I like what this lad says," <gasps> but they didn't have that uh, jur- that journalistic uh, integrity, I guess, because they were yeah. able to write whatever they wanted because it was the internet. Yeah, so to to battle that, and we've gone to like peak fake news now. To battle that, I guess that that uh competition for popularity or competition for attention, the papers had to get more and more salacious. They had to get more and more crazy, yep. and we ended up with stuff like News of the World and the Sun, like writing mad shit about like Princess Diana following her around mm. with fucking uh, uh, all through the nineties, like following her around with like cameras that could zoom in for like two miles, mm. and you have a picture of her on a boat with like a tiny little bump, and it's like, oh my God, Diana might be pregnant. Like Diana might be pregnant mm. was a front page. Story yeah. for like five full days yeah. on a national newspaper yeah. from a picture from two miles away yeah. of her on a boat where she was just like <sighs> kind breathed of breathing out. out, breathing out a little bit, like 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 that's what we're dealing with yeah. in in the tabloid press. I don't know yeah. about tabloids in America. You had your National Inquiry and your head of shit like that, but British tabloid press was so nasty and shitty and dirty. We've right. done episodes on Princess Diana. We've done episodes on Amanda Knox. Remember that yeah, girl? Yeah. Like that was like. The tabloids were completely at fault for for how how her story was handled and her, mm. like her spending so much time in jail and all because it was just it didn't have to be right it just had to be first mm. so this whole Barrymore thing was uh, we have to be first mm. we have to get the story in um, like when you said he came out in in the nightclub there was lads running to the phone to ring the sun to get the scoop and all this mm. kind of stuff so like the cultural impact for me was he changed what being gay was. Mm. For a lot of people. And a lot of yeah. people didn't even know what, get, like, queer as folk, you know, with Aidan Gillen. Yeah. Like, that was on the telly. Uh, you had fucking. I remember.
2: I, I remember. That's a great thing that you brought up there because I remember watching that going, this is very good. And then yeah. kind of turned her off if anyone came in the room. Yeah.
1: Because it was like, I wasn't. Small in, bit shameful.
2: Because, like, there would be gay sex scenes sometimes in it. Yeah. But, and obviously, <laughs> I wasn't into it, but
1: you didn't care. But you wanted to see the
2: dynamics.
1: It was about, and this is the thing, it was about the people. Yeah. And Queer as Folk, for me in the 90s, was like, yeah. huh.
3: Yeah. Ah.
1: Like, it changed a ter- like a 13-year-old boy's mind from, like, being gay is yucky, dirty, mm. you know, sal- salacious, uh, a seedy, You know, the the ideas of, like, fucking fucking, like roping arcs of jizz hitting chins and fucking lads, like, wanking fellas off like they're spinning plates (laughs) and all these kind of things that you have in your mind, right? As well as, then, the funny, kind of weird, kooky side of it. Like, Police Academy, remember? Going to the Blue Oyster and stuff like that. There's loads of lads dressed up in, like, leather sailor outfits and waistcoats and big lads with handlebar moustaches and... Do you remember that shit In Police Academy I remember Yeah was someone, You're reminding me of Proctor Like he used to it go to me the, of When
2: I was really young And I used to Say to my ma About Kenny Everett Kenny Everett as well and I used to say um, Why why is he Why is he doing this And doing that And my ma was like not." I used to laugh at him I used to go He's really funny He's really weird And uh, it was just I was innocent But he was just a strange And he was like Why is he And I adopted At my stage I'm not gay same, Tried it 50 I, I used, times But I'm yeah, not gay yeah. no, Not for me uh, <laughs> No, but I'm not gay.
1: but the, camp, the also.
2: campness is yeah. funny.
1: It is funny.
3: It's
2: great La- Larry
1: Grayson, Kenny Everett, Lily Savage. Yeah, Lily like,
2: Savage, Me ma adored Lily yeah, Savage. Yeah, I love Lily and Savage. And your man, the other fella. Day Medna Day Medna. Day Medna.
1: Like, the, Brilliant. Uh, but it was all on the telly, but it was never talked about in a sexual way. No. It was just like, like Larry Grayson or, or even Bruce Forsyth in his yeah. campiness. And yeah. Camp was for, um, uh, what's your man? I'm free uh, yeah. from... from uh, um, that, that, oh fuck What's the name of that show uh, the, Who? who? Up, not upstairs Downstairs It was like a, Oh there was a TV show it was Set in a department store oh. And your man would come along And go uh, Is anybody Is anybody free To serve This young gentleman And your man would come along uh, I'm free oh, Like he yeah. was a go him <laughs> You know um, like,
2: They make fun of it In Family Guy That character yes, In Family Guy I mean,
1: it... uh, Yes Like yeah. that, that character Yeah uh, And now you look And like the most popular and most successful entertainers like Graham Norton, yeah, like totally open the gate. Nothing wrong with it. Mm. Like uh, I said, and there's nothing wrong with the pads. like, yeah, it's such I know, a fucking yeah, I know, yeah, I know. When men two, stra- two straight, straight
2: blokes are talking, we're like basically go, Gordon, there's an eggshell. Shut the fuck up. But, but, <laughs> but, but we,
1: but. but you know what it is though. This is the opinion of a lot of people, and we're yeah. we're both almost like knocking on the door of forty. Yeah, and we were Michael Barrymore fans. Like yeah. we are the fucking exact demographic yeah. that was crazily shocked yeah. and massively influenced by this man yeah. and this case and I think all of this information is very pertinent to give a cultural snapshot mm. of the exact type of person that went oh Jesus that's weird Yeah, a gay orgy and these arses and bits yeah. Yeah. and it puts such a negative spin on gayness yeah. on like gay sex being the salacious dirty violent seedy thing and then you watch something like Queer as Folk. That was the first time that stuff was put out on TV where it was normalized, where it was shown in a normal way, where it was just two men falling in love, having a kiss and a cuddle, maybe a bit of sex. And it was not it wasn't like, you know, violent ball, ball bag a bag on bag slapping action. It wasn't like full, like you know, like fish hooking and, and fucking fisting and all. It was just like two men just like making love like they would in any fucking movie, any other TV show. We probably should get into it I guess
2: We sure. should. Well, basically
1: That's a, that's our social soapbox But like, I I want to talk about that shit I feel like We're yeah. not allowed to talk about it, right? No Do you feel not, you're not allowed To talk about that I stuff? Feel, I feel awkward talking about it Yeah, it's awkward I'm awkward I, as fuck
2: and, and I'm going And I could look back In 10 minutes At what I said now And go Oh, that's not ugh, I do, Should I have said that? I'm trying to make sense of it If you know what I mean
1: I, So am I And we're just yeah. doing it In public On a podcast I'm yeah. definitely going to be Carefully editing this stuff But
2: Yeah that's just y- the way y- it was. <laughs> you like... ring me up and go, I have to edit loads of your shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're worse than me. You weren't no. on this episode no, at all. Uh, uh,
1: so look, let's get into the case because look, there's t- we're two straight white men who were just trying. We're just trying yeah. to fucking understand, <laughs> uh, uh, man. And we've gone through a completely different life to some other people. And I really want, I like, I that's the thing, like Padzer, I really want to to understand. Yeah, I really want to know, like, w- <laughs> you know, what it's like yeah. for other people so that I can relate to them, because yeah. I want to understand the world more. Yeah. I'm in a mode of understanding and analysis.
2: Like, because we can all go, we could all go, we could all go, everything you say, I just completely agree. But if you want us, no, want us to understand, like, it's yeah, like, yeah. can we say, can I go... What, what about this And you go Yeah well here's here's my
1: answer You're not allowed to talk about that That's the thing I, I hate Because it's like If you're yeah. making If you're making somebody Not allowed to talk about something They're they're going to have A negative opinion of it They're yeah. going to feel Shitly about it And they're going to it's like, it's, it's getting the Think shit. negatively it's about getting
3: it
2: getting the shit out of yeah. you Because like, some of this stuff Is dark As you say It's from our childhood yeah. And it's there And we're a little bit like that So how do we get How do we get over that How do we and get away unresolved, from that yeah because you made a great point about we—he was gay, but he's still he's still a great for So we accepted him. But then a couple of years later, this thing happened, and it was an opportunity to go see they're all exactly.
0: dragons, exactly.
2: And we all went oh, and so that that happened to us. Now we have our own responsibility and blah blah blah, of yeah. course. But I'm just saying that was there.
1: That was the just for Barrymore particularly. It was a rug pull moment. Mm. For something that was so culturally significant and so progressive mm. that we all went, you know what? I'm I'm gonna accept this progressive yeah. th- thought. Like it doesn't matter that he's gay. We don't even think about that. He doesn't talk about it. It's not in yeah. that it's in our day-to-day thing. But we knew and then he's a murderer or a suspected murderer. Mm. And you're like, oh yeah. <sighs> those those subconscious, bigoted thoughts that I had about him have confirmed, confirmed to be true. Yeah. Oh, it's like the media gaslit us all, and was like like we had accepted him and like I don't want to say forgiven him for being gay, because yeah. that seems like it's something to be forgiven. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of the way it was portrayed by the media that like yeah. Barrowmore lied to us by being a married man and then he came out as gay and then we all felt kind of betrayed mm. and then we had to forgive him. Not we, but I mean society. That's how it was. That's how it was played out in the media, did you, and that's such a shitty you, way to represent shit. that type of person. It's like you fucking lie to us. You've been gay since you were born, but you've got married and you had kids and you lied. Yeah. And now it's like the same thing with all these like Republican senators that are like, "I don't like the gays and these homosexuals on to get married." And then he's fucking his he rent boys down in New Orleans, fucking <laughs> sucking them off in a hotel, and he gets caught, and then he has to do like an apology beside his his little shrew of a wife who's, like, really, like, eh, and it's always portrayed, like, you know, fucking, in, um, The Office, you know, you had the state senator, and Angela was there, like, she was so, like, uh, uh, uptight and Christian, and, like, her, her, her state senator husband was, uh, like, a secret homosexual with her workman, Oscar, like, or whatever, like, that whole narrative is, like, ooh, that's kind of weird, Mm. it's also a weird dynamic that you would be hiding it, and, Sneaking around behind people's backs And this whole thing So there's this whole thing about Barrymore That I think leans into the suspicion That we're going to talk about now in the show That there was a suspicion that he's lying uh, we, There's we, a suspicion
2: Can I say something about yeah. g- gay, gay So people say gay culture Is that what they call it? But here's the thing about gay culture about What I remember This is a significant thing But there's a gay cultural thing That was nearly like a matchmaker for straight people Do you get me? So like the 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 fashion the person who's the, the, the cocktail party the fashion the fashion like, like the, the real like stereotypical the, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stereotypical shit but it's huge business but like the the, the gay the say
1: yes to the dress or the but the gay like there's of,
2: always a gay the gay thing show business
1: the arbiter of culture. Yeah, yeah it yeah, yeah,
2: a yeah. huge it's a massive impact and yeah. we all we all subconsciously know it but we don't go but it then we removed the idea. So for for years, because it's religiously. Yeah. But it, it's a gay culture has been
1: around since the twenties, probably before that. Oh, like since like. Okay. Ancient Greece and shit. Like, oh, of course. Like it's, it's around for a really long time, but uh, and,
2: and so it's like even even but now f- it's
1: only reaching mainstream to be in everybody's. Do you remember
2: wearing it? pink shorts?
1: Yeah, oh, you were gay if you wore a pink shirt. No, but... You, salmon. The salmon shirt you yeah, wore. Yeah, of the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. and everyone wore them. <laughs> I everyone wore them. Everyone wore them, yeah. And
2: it was like a huge impact on us all.
1: That a man could wear a pink shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And like,
2: to, like, you go out in your dad, you
1: Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? Get yeah. upstairs and change clothes, you.
2: Like, but there was a huge thing of like, they said, no, women go for colours. A fella, who It was kind of like gay people are trying to make straight people confident. Yeah. And, you know, because we weren't... Do you remember, when we like,
1: Do you remember when you were we, in school we, and you couldn't wear white socks? Yeah. Because you were gay if you wore white socks. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you had black shoes and black pants for your school uniform. Yeah. But if you wore white socks, you were gay. Yeah. But because white socks was, like, a signal to other gay lads, or like, I'm gay too. Yeah. But it was, like, this underground railroad of, like, yeah. communicating between gay lads, like, you white socks, I have white yeah.
0: socks as well. Yeah. Wink. Like... Yeah.
1: Because they couldn't communicate, they couldn't like flash dicks or whatever, so they were just right. like wear white socks. Or do you remember when lads used to get their eyebrows pierced? As if you <laughs> got it pierced on the left, it meant you were gay. I
2: remember that, yeah. Do you remember something yeah. like that?
1: There was all these like codes and stuff like yeah. Oh, did you get your ear pierced? Yeah. Oh man, you got it on the gay side. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Oh, if you get your pier- ear pierced so, on why the why left side. I
2: wear me watch on the left side, was that was that on? I don't
1: know, man. It's all, it's all bullshit, like Yeah, it's nonsense. It's all bullshit. But there's a load of straight lads in school going, What? Uh, a weird thing would give me away for being gay but the ultra like, what, am I sending out signals to somebody but the ultra
2: masculinity the ultra masculinity <laughs> oh man this is so this the is like dredging my childhood of like
1: weird like subconscious but ma- bigotry but like.
2: masculinity as well <laughs> oh was created God. a lot by you gay people in the oh yeah, in the, the, the wardrobe yeah, like yeah. Humphrey Bogart like, probably had a designer who was like a gay designer. Like, sure, Humphrey
1: Bogart was gay, was he? I, I as far as maybe I'm wrong. I thought, I thought he was. I, yeah. h- I
2: heard, um, um, John Wayne might have been gay,
1: it might have been a touch of it. Yeah, a touch of, of gayness. Get top, off I think your feels.
2: horse and walk.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, the walk was funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was loads of, there was loads of lads back in the day that were. Yeah. It was like secret because it wasn't. It was like being a communist; like you weren't allowed to yeah. be publicly gay because it was. I don't know. There was something John Wayne. Was I don't know if we believed that. But there was something. But. His name is Marion, so you never know. But there was something. <laughs> there was something. <laughs> there was something about like it wasn't allowed to be. It was like dirty and seedy and underground. Yeah, it was like it, it's such a weird. Isn't it so weird to hmm. even talk about? It? Like I feel kind of like, oh my god, this is we're going to get cancelled, like because Shit. of this conversation, yeah. even. But it's something that like. If you don't know and then you're not allowed to ask, then you'll never know. Really? So you live in a place of like not knowing and then you just fill in the gaps with like bullshit, half-remembered things from like TV shows or shit you were told when you were a kid. Mm. And then you have an entirely wrong view of what's real. And then when you meet somebody gay yeah. and you're like, you, just you, you, you have a whole lot of like prejudice about what you think they're going to be mm. from a load of half remembered bullshit from TV shows from years ago. And then and, and then like,
2: the other thing is. The and other then other you're thing. like,
1: oh, you've totally changed my mind about what a gay person could be. Yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah, and then and yeah. then that gay person's like, Was that my job tonight at this party that <laughs> I came to just just be normal? Was to change how you feel about the entire gay community. Congratulations, me. <laughs> Ugh. Like <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like? <sighs> The same. It's the same. Sometimes with, yeah. with, with black people, that I like, would, I not, it's not my job to I fucking educate that. you I've... on what you think. Like, congratulations, I've saved another white person On what they think. I've saved another straight guy on 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 his opinion of the gay community because I was nice to him at a party. Ugh. Yeah. Like, like, there's so many levels to this, bro. There's yeah. so many like crazy cultural sociological. Anthropological, fucking psychological, emotional—like yeah. all of these levels to this shit. Yeah. That yeah, yeah and we every, could spend hours and hours and, and hours yeah, and, digging and the, through her childhood. And the, some of
2: the phrases, as you caught me out earlier about it, like saying he's gay but he's sound. I know it said a real passive aggressive, and then you you pointed her out to me, and I went like it was like jackpot. I was like bing bing bing. Yeah, but I that, went oh shit. Yeah, but is,
1: isn't real. It, but but that's the thing because the presumption is gay is something to be suspicious of. Yeah. and again back to Barrymore we were told, shown him reaching super stardom as yeah. a married man yeah. who had, quote-unquote, lied to us for years. So that's the subconscious thing. Yeah. Broke up his marriage and then for six years he was, like, openly gay and everything yeah, was and, totally fine and, was and fine. he was, everything was, and was like, oh, I thought it was going to be terrible and, and, like, you know, mm. he hasn't got AIDS yet or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever you shit people who thinking in the 90s. And then all of a sudden...
0: Murder, violent, gay, anal rape,
1: yeah. and then all our oh, I fucking knew it. I knew if we trusted this cunt that he'd do something gay and ruin it. I <laughs> did this murder case came out, and then like Barrymore's on the telly going like, "I am a hundred percent innocent." It's like ah yeah, we trusted you before.
2: So here's the thing now. So there's
1: this there's a, there's a presumption of like lying and like I well don't... here's
2: the thing, but here's the thing about away from all of that, mm. away from all of that. Celebrity now Let's yeah. go to celebrity land So this So there's a presumption Also from celebrities That celebrities can do Whatever the fuck yeah. They want Yeah yeah there is Yeah. So then there's You're throwing that into the mix And people are going Hold on a minute Some fella died Nobody answered any questions Yeah This is real This is about a person's life Yeah And I'm sure there's Millions of gay people as well Who went Yeah now hold on a minute it's not, this is not about being gay. This is about someone who fucked up. Yeah. But you're saying it's about... Everything's about being gay. But even that is, in a way, homophobic. It's not because it's like... No, loads of gay people are like... No, hold on a minute. This this fa- family has been hurt. Like, they're, yes. we're people, too. We we think the same as yeah. you. Like, and we're but, thinking... But, oh, the gay thing, the gay thing. But the
1: tabloids reduced it to the fact that he was a duplicitous 100%, as gay man, 100%. Like, yes, 100%. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But they took away the reasoning for thinking that some man... Went out for a an out and ended up dead the next yeah. morning.
1: The humanity was taken out of it, yeah. and it was replaced with salacious, yeah. h- like hyperbolic, yeah. uh, uh bigoted, emotional manipulation mm. around the narrative of a gay orgy gone wrong. Like that mm-hmm. was the, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're no. going to move on now because it's oh. like it's like
2: we're just we're digging bigger holes. Or but, but the we, thing or is, we, we need to be down
1: in this hole to see yeah. what the fuck is going on because yeah. the hole is here. Like we're just. Yeah, do you know what I mean? We have to look into it. Talking about a hole. Yeah, no, no, yeah, don't go yeah. there. Oh, don't go
2: but, there. Edit that
1: but, <laughs> but seriously, Pat, like this is a no. It is. It is for two. I mean, this is an important conversation the two oh. straight white men need to have with one another, <sighs> pontificating about what it's like to be gay. But like, really, like this. These are the voices of people who are really trying to understand. Like, yeah. we're two dudes who are really trying to understand this thing from a like a reasonably educated and like I'm. Pretty experienced at these types of things Through the job and through learning about this stuff And yet still These things baffle me I'm a media analyst As a job Like professionally Mm. I'm a cultural and media analyst Mm. And this was one of the most important In the UK and Ireland at least One of the most important cultural milestones
2: Mm.
1: Of the 20th century Sometimes I know You put
2: a microphone to me And I spoke and I talked the same as you did about this stuff. That I wouldn't, I wouldn't hash out all this stuff. I'd have a load of thoughts and a load of feelings, and say, Royal, well, don't be a dickhead." That's me yeah, main. Yeah.
1: My, yeah. That's my main objective. But you wouldn't give it this don't much thought in real life.
2: Yeah, don't be a piece of shit. But then when you're trying to hash it out, you're going, "Oh fuck, I'm yeah. bouncing off so yeah, much yeah, yeah. subconscious shit that I don't even." But it's realizes. podcast chat. This is like yeah.
1: this is not a conversation that two dudes would have in the pub. Yeah. At home, and a party, just having a drink, watching the, watching yeah. a match. Like, this is a completely contrived situation uh, where I'm trying to wring, yeah. you know, the opinions, trying to ring the concepts out of both mm. of our minds mm. in this very contrived setting. This is an unnatural conversation. It's not a
2: convivial subject. Yeah, really. yeah, it's not, not, not something
1: that just happens. Like, this is very uh, purposeful to try and go, let's examine what's going on live in front of a studio audience. <laughs> like... It could be wrong, like, it's just, it was so powerful for me as a young man and a fan of But you're of talking Barrymore. about the
2: impact of Michael Barrymore, how it was going yes. through our heads, yes. and how we, we taught, and we don't even know exactly how we thought, we had to hash out how we thought, yeah. felt, by going back and visiting that time. Yeah, And this is why. so this, as you say, you've American people watching, this is how big Barrymore, Barrymore was.
1: Barrymore was big, man. He was... As big as Cosby, as big as Letterman, uh, as big as Jay Leno was. He was He was super, the shit. Yeah, like,
2: and he was hilarious.
1: hilarious. Amazing. And he was on every fucking thing. Let's talk about him now. like yeah. Tell them all about
3: it, those conspiracy guys.
1: This episode is brought to you by our fantastic
0: sponsor, Factor. Factor is a delicious, easy-to-prepare, ready-to-eat meal service and takes all the messing out of making nutritious and tasty meals at home. Forget about the shopping for those hard-to-find ingredients and weirdly specific vegetables. I'm looking at you, Wombok, Some weird Chinese cabbage. And instead, get these chef-crafted, great-tasting meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals a week to choose from. Thanks to Factor for supporting the show. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash TCG50 and use the code TCG50 to get 50% off. I already have all my meals picked out for (laughs) for what Factor is available outside the US, like the gorgonzola butter filet mignon with a brown butter Yukon mash and broccolini and mushrooms. Excuse me, I just had to wipe myself. (laughs) But for you lucky Americans, you can get them now! These meals are ready to eat in just two minutes and are dietitian approved, so you can be sure you're getting quality and flavour, as well as your choice of more than 35 recipes. With no prep, no mess, and a flexible ordering plan, Factor is the perfect solution for sustaining yourself, because as well as full meals, there are snacks, breakfast foods, smoothies, and more for a full fridge of fancy Factor fare. So head to factormeals.com slash tcg50 and use code tcg50 to get 50% off.
1: Michael Barrymore, a beloved UK performer. Uh, he started off his life as Michael Parker, Michael Kieron Parker, as you said. Yeah. And he grew up without his father, George, in London, with a Catholic mother, Mary, and an older brother, John, and an older sister, Anne. Now, he grew up, like, uh, you know, admittedly uh, working class. He talked about it a lot. And it was kind of, I think, part of his charm, you know. Mm. He uh, he worked as a redcoat in Butland's holiday camp. So Butlin's... It's like
2: a... It's like... A ho-
1: it's like- Summer camp. It's like summer camp for adults. And you go yeah. with your whole family and they do like stage shows and they do like mm. uh, you know, like musical numbers, and then during the day they have like games for the kids and drinks for the adults and We
2: had Mosny uh, in uh, Ireland, but Butlands yeah. in Powelli, which was in Wales, I think. Yeah. Did you, you ever go there?
1: I I went to a butlands in England somewhere once uh, yeah. and I was like Welcome to the Butlands. It was a whole uh. stage. It's like it's like being on a cruise ship, but in a camp in like yeah. And you a, had chalets. a weird forest and chalets yeah. and the, the, you know, it was just basically like, here, take my kids away and put them in a big wooden room to like yeah. kick football or something for two hours till like, I get a yeah. bit of peace, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm spending all my wages on it. <laughs> um, so he moved in, uh, uh, from from being a red coat in Butlins. Now in Butlins, you're talking about being a performer. A red coat is like, um, do you remember uh, what was the t- what was the TV show about the red coats? Uh, the comedy show. Uh,
2: I don't, it's coming to me now but I can't remember it was a 90s show
1: 90s show yeah about about those red coats and was, the, the, kind of, the staff would pretend to pr- they'd pretend to be really nice it was kind of like that movie Waiting yeah where like there were fucking arseholes behind the scenes like an bordering alcoholics and sex pests but then when they come in like hello kids how you doing everybody um But yeah, you you go from like singing cabaret to doing like acting sketches, comedy stuff, which really you're working with the audience. So there's like all families sitting at these big long kind of picnic benches and you're going from table to table, entertaining. You have like a radio mic and you'd be going like, where are you from? I'm from Chester. Ah, Chester. Chester. And I see your wife is from Chester as well. Uh, Like, and you want to have big tits. It's just like making kind of... (laughs) innuendo jokes and stuff so uh, the adults could have a laugh but yeah. to, to make them so that they sail over the kids' heads so that you're entertaining the kids with the goofiness and the adults with the kind of the backhanded humour and it was all very camp and it was all very you know, theatrical uh. and uh Barrymore took that into his like stage life on screen mm-hmm. and you can see it like in the crowd interactions in shows like uh, Strike It Rich Strike, Strike It Lucky and Kids said the Funniest Things and all this it was all just a 100% top level banter yeah Like his, he was black belt in banter Like, Yeah he was brilliant there The the, the people loved him you know So he moved from being a, a red coat To to the West End of London To perform theatre productions And that's where he met his then soon to be wife And manager Cheryl Um, And then Barrymore was to be a shooting star In UK comedy and entertainment uh, Supporting greats like Little and Large Do you remember Little and Large? These comedy duos, they're like little and large, and that the, the Cannon I, remember Ball. the two Runnies and all that. Two Ronnies was a bit before that, but little and large were very like late eighties, early nineties, where they had these well, comedy I duos.
2: F- hail and
1: Peace. Tommy to- Cannon and Ball, like Tommy Ball. Oh remember yeah, with yeah, the yeah, braces yeah, yeah, yeah. There's,
2: there's so many shows though that it's hard to. Uh, if yeah. I saw one, I go ah,
1: what's that? You'd remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if Amer- Americans had that. We had a um, Markham and Wise, and there was all these comedy Markham duos in and and yeah. UK entertainment. Uh, and he he was a crowd warm up man for a fella called Larry Grayson, who was like Jesus. He was the um, Dick Cavett of of uh, the yeah. UK. He was yeah. on like his loads of shows. We had this show called The Generation Game, yeah, yeah, and he get families yeah. on and they have to compete compete in these fu- like funny weird games. But Larry Grayson was like, was he out? Was he, like, proper gay? He was, like, one of these older gays, like, oh, hello, hello, <laughs> welcome to the generation gay, I'm Larry Grayson. Oh, yeah. And he'd be interviewing, interviewing like, So, <laughs> uh, so, tell me you're the father. Yes. Oh, uh, well, I mean, you know... I love this, that old BBC class,
2: of the 1950s. Yeah. BBC, hello, good evening, everybody. But Larry Grayson was super-duper camp.
1: camp and making jokes <laughs> about, it. Hello, hello, sweetheart, you you look very nice tonight. Shame about your legs. Like, this <laughs> kind of little, <laughs> naggy, kind of, like, catty gay stuff. It was very funny, like, and, uh... Influenced people like kenny everett and yeah. and uh, lily savage like you said who's was a, a as a drag act um the generation game was a tv a super popular tv show it was taken over by bruce Forsyth and then yeah. taken over by jim davidson who turned out to be a racist as well who knew yeah, was... <laughs> jim davidson man <laughs> fucking hell talk about it talk about a colored history uh-huh. uh we're well, not gonna say colored anymore i suppose even uh, uh, He was like a uh, Jim Davidson was on the level of like somebody like uh, what's your man's name, Bernard Manning or something Bernard at Manning. one point, and then became like a total household name, like sanitized and totally acceptable, you know. So Barrymore used to warm up for Larry Grayson, and he had this kind of camp humor, like running around the crowds. He was kind of like a, a Jim Carrey type yeah, of goofy always comedy. Taught you know? that about yeah. yeah, Jim Carrey ish. Yeah. And um, he was going to say that actually. Yeah, he'd warm up for Larry Grayson, oh. and Larry Larry then was quite dry, but like the same kind of wit. Yeah. And then he ended up, uh, Barrymore ended up being a a regular guest on Blankety Blank. Mm. And if you ever watch any of those old ones, like, like they super, have to make in the words, yeah, it's so all you go innuendo. Like, <laughs> yeah, loads of innuendo and <laughs> camp kind of shit. Like, uh, but you, Blankety Blank was a show where you have like, uh, you had to you had a team of six celebrities, and then the the, the contestant had to then guess what the celebrity was going to say and it had to yeah. match Yeah, but they make loads of sexy jokes and all this kind of stuff so, so yeah a, just, a you just remind
2: me of one of them old jokes where they walk into butchers and they say, you say give us a pound of sausages and the butcher said "It's sorry it's kilos and he say alright give us a pound of kilos <laughs> 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 it was all of that shit that yeah. a real quick stuff give us a pound of rashers lean back pound of bacon sorry lean back and they go yeah, you know yeah, all yeah. this shit it was
1: yeah. so silly but it was just... but clean comedy Yeah, uh, but like with innuendo it wasn't yeah. like overtly dirty but yeah. it had a little bit of sexy yeah. nuance <laughs> and people were like oh the kids don't understand it, oh, yeah. it so Barrymore was super young there and Terry Wogan was the, the presenter and then it moved on to Les Dawson I think and yeah. Barrymore was like one of the regular heads and, um, he, he, so he was building up this profile of being on all these shows. He was this, he was in, into sketch comedy as well. And I don't know if you remember Russ Abbott. Remember that guy? He looked like Lurch out of the Adams family. I think so, yeah. Big, yeah. massive, tall guy. And he used to have these like sketch shows, crazy sketches, like crazy shit that you'd be cancelled for today, Ugh. like mad shit. And, uh, Hilarious, like Russ Abbott, uh, Russ Abbott's Madhouse, the TV show was called, oh, I and remember Barrymore, remember Barrymore that, yeah. used to be a, like a bit part, like a player on it, you know, yeah. the same way that uh, Jim Carrey was on In Living Colour yeah. with the Wayans and all, so Barrymore yeah. was kind of that character for Russ Abbott, but his real rise to fame was his own TV game show, which started I think in 1982 called Strike It Lucky, Strike Lucky. and he would get 18 million viewers per show, like that's a fucking ferocious amount so Strike It Lucky was a show where you had three teams of two people and you'd have, you'd have ten screens and one person would be at the podium and the other person would be at the screen and you'd ask the person a question and if they got it right they were able to hit the screen and you could like move forward two places, move back. So it was like a... A, t- a televisual uh, snakes and ladders type of game but you were doing it and most of it was just him bantering with the people and mm. how long are you married and, and that's the thing about his game s- you remember
2: a- the specifics about the games. Yeah. I, I just remember him taking a piss all the time. So you sometimes you would even as a young fella you'd forget when you come of age then you'd know of the, the, the games like the the millionaire, who wants yeah. to be a millionaire stuff and all that. Kind of thing. You you know the concepts of the games of catchphrase yes. of all these. You know the concepts of the games, but with Michael Barrymore it was just so much crack that you just. But,
1: but this the thing. To, to, forgot I,
2: about I, what I, the games were. I focused
1: on the the mechanics of the game, and he yeah. it was such a simple premise that he was able to mess super hard, like such a fucking circumvention of expectation and the rules of the game. Mm. And he would just, like, somebody, had, he'd fumble the question and somebody'd get it wrong. And they'd be like, oh, well, I kind of read the question wrong. Okay, brr, you get the £1,000, fuck it. Yeah. Like, this kind of stuff. And, yeah. But, like, he'd get into the stories with the people or they'd answer a weird question. And then there'd be a call back then for the whole show and he'd call it that answer. Just a, so it was all comedy. Just It was just a way. The game show rules was just a function to be able to interact with people and have something to do in between conversations. hmm you know, mm-hmm. Oh, come on, we better go answer these questions before we run out of time. Exactly. But it was so casual. Like, usually the game show hosts, they had this long microphone. They're like, yeah. hey, welcome to the show today. Here we have Mary and Colin from Durham. Hello, Mary and Colin. Hello, Michael. oh, yeah. Nice to be here. That's true. And then there's like, well, so Mary, you're you working at baker's. I do a make cakes. And Colin, you're a butcher. I do. Yeah. P- pound, a, pound a bacon. Lean it back. Pound a bacon. Like yeah, this yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. said. And he had a little bit... Ba- but like Michael Bar- and it was very formal. It's like, okay, and on to uh, Josephine and yeah. and Michael here from Newcastle. What Barrymore would do, he'd like fuck everybody off <laughs> and have like a five-minute conversation with someone if they were just that interesting. Yeah. And he'd end up like saying, move over, move over. Yeah To the middle people set. And he'd sit up on the podium Like yeah. he'd sit on the fucking podium put his legs up and all Or he'd sit like crisscrossed yeah. applesauce I remember that no, yeah, yeah, And just be like Go ahead yeah go ahead And people were like Should we get to the game Ah fuck the game We're chatting yeah, We're was, chatting
2: It was just It was like me it's dad so In the pub last yeah. Sunday They were telling us to get out like, No he's in the middle of I'm saying something I'm yeah. the rules Relax uh, it, was it was so brilliant. weird
1: It was so refreshing to see on telly Because it was like Everything else was so uh, highly, like, overproduced and so organized. Yeah. And he was just, like, this, like, tour de force, like, this this un, unquenchable energy. Mm. Like a Jim Carrey-esque type energy. Like, goofy, uh, f- so, like, high energy, run up and down the uh, the aisles. Yeah. And it was crazy energy. And people be like, oh, my God. Like, he was yeah. such a fucking beloved, fantastic character.
3: Mm.
2: Um, And even the people who turned on him. They turned on him after the thing happened in the pool. They always there's an I've I've heard it so many numerous times where they've said, I wouldn't go to see him anymore he used to be such a great entertainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They always say They're that. They still give him the props. like... They still go, yeah. he
2: was amazing back then, but he should do this and that. And it's like their own thing going, oh, I wish I wish there'd be something out where I found him innocent because then I could like him again. Yeah. You know, but it's the
1: same as like, uh, you know, fucking Michael Jackson's a pedo, but I, I fucking love Billy Jean. I'd still yeah, dance to still Billie Jean <laughs> if it came on. And the yeah. <laughs> The moonwalk. Know, the yeah. moon, I still do the moonwalk. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I still sing along to fucking yeah. Man in the Mirror, even yeah. though I know that he did uh, yeah. something with kids. Like it's yeah. that. It's just the, or like oh yeah, Harvey Weinstein and all. But like, that's some good film though. He, <laughs> it's a really good movie. I'm not going to not watch that movie because yeah, Harvey yeah, Weinstein yeah, did that yeah, thing. Yeah. Like
2: yeah, well he was Goodwill Hunting and all, didn't
1: he? Yeah, but I'm saying like yeah, no, it's Goodwill Hunting. Is is the thing Harvey Weinstein Done bad enough To never watch Goodwill Hunting again That's what I'm saying like, I don't I don't know That yeah. answer But like yeah. That's the the concept You're talking about Is like Well I can still Enjoy the things That Michael Barrymore was Yeah Even though I Think less of him now Because he was embroiled yeah. In some yeah. kind of weird I'm, so, Murder scandal So
2: I know you're Getting to it But did did he Did he Did he Is he innocent Well so we'll get to it we get to it <laughs> That's the whole show
1: I'm taking your balls Until the end of it Here now right So uh he um he had his own celebrity interview show called barrymore that started in 1991 i, I love that really good show it was like a, it was just like straight two sofas he'd have all these mad people like very very famous people but then also like yeah people, that, people that the producers too. found like crazy preachers from america who come over and go i believe in jesus and barrymore would absolutely rip the piss and try to yeah. pretend to be like him and and Just be so like so stuff about. There was a fellow
2: on one time about snakes, and he had a snake on. Yeah. I think that was that was Michael Barron, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah. Snake, and he said, "You want to hold the snake, and all this, and he was making loads <laughs> of, of innuendo jokes. Yeah, <laughs> of course, man.
1: <laughs> Just like, oh, it's all slimy. Oh, that's what she said. Like, oh, yeah, shit.
2: And like, I remember all that, like laughing, like yeah. He
1: had, he had Muhammad Ali, on and he had um. Oh, have Muhammad Ali he had loads of people Like loads of really famous people on it like. mm. And anyone who was in England at the time Anyone who was even like a half a celebrity wa- Walking around the ITV Because BBC had Parkinson Yeah At the time Who was like, like mm. Who was like You know And even Billy
2: Connolly said in an interview A quintessential interview One time he was on Billy Connolly was I remember my mum and dad watching it And he was like All these talk show hosts are this and that And he was slagging them off And he said And Michael Barrymore And he slagged off Michael Barrymore for a second And then he turned around and went Oh, I love Michael Barrymore Yeah
1: And he was like I love him He's, he's great But he <laughs> was great And it wasn't this like Lip service You uh, know Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Kimmel Yeah um, No Infomercial fucking Entertainment Where it's like Okay on Jimmy Fallon tonight, It's like
2: the fellow who Turned up at the party And was like, like Oh uh, yes your man's here
1: Yeah yeah It's like yeah. on Jimmy Fallon Tonight uh, We have some con not promote a movie Some can't promote yeah. an album Some can't being real sorry about a thing that he done to a woman and then some other motherfucker who's like uh, a, a tick, he made a video on TikTok that got real popular but no one's gonna know who he is next week Jimmy Fallon tonight like that's every <laughs> night is that it's just like some come promoting something and a lad yeah. who's famous for a half a second yeah but like Barrymore was like I found this lad who is able to he's the fastest talker in the world <laughs> <laughs> and he had him on, and he was like, right, it says something. Can we slow that down and see? <laughs> I, I'm going to give that a go. Like, the fastest reader. I was watching a clip of it yesterday. Like yeah. The, the fellow who was the fastest reader in the world. He was able to read, like, something out of the Bible super fast or whatever. The
2: questions like, to the kids as well. Like, mad shit. Oh, yeah he, kid, had, so he had, yeah, he had that show,
1: uh, uh, the Kids kid kid said, kid. said the Funniest Things, it was called. So he has and, uh, similar, th-
2: similar stuff on TikTok now, right? And and if you're yeah. looking at it, if you're looking at it, the way he talks to the kids, he, his questions... Like to ask kids And then the kids Understood the question so yeah. well That the kid went on a rant Yeah And it was fucking hilarious I used to fucking love that oh, Kindest mom and dad
1: So like I was I, I'm born in 83 So like Kids say the funniest things Was like 93 So I'm 10 Right mm. So at 10 You would think like A 6 year old is a baby Like little Mm-mm. babies Yeah But I was at 10 Like quite a precocious child So I wanted to be included In adult conversations And I was like not unintelligent like I knew some shit hmm. and I really really respected the fact that Michael Barrymore on these Kids at The Funniest Thing shows would get into the kids and ask them stuff like an adult hmm. and be like so what do you think about this or what do you think about what What do you think love is what do you think about falling in love yeah falling in love is like when you do love the kissing and all yeah. It's like a kiss. Do your mam- does your mom, does your mommy and daddy kiss? Yeah, they kiss at night time.
2: They do have wrestling matches. Did they be wrestling? And, then and I think there's a horsey. I think I thought there was a donkey in the room because all I heard was ear, ear, yeah, ear,
1: yeah. <laughs> all of this kind of shit. <laughs> but but it's a it's a show format that Bill Cosby had in the US yeah. on CBS, and and they and they oh, ported it yeah. over to the UK. Okay. And uh, Barrymore did it, and now I think uh, t- 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 Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, she's doing it. Yeah, she's, she's doing a doing, newer yeah. version of it. Like, it yeah. it's not. I don't know if it's as good, but it's just to, to get the kids saying yeah. this shit, cuz they are like genuine people mm. at such a young age and yeah. Barrymore saw that and he fucking from kids to adults to to owl ones like owl ones a yeah. fucking love Barrymore yeah so he had this um he he had these royal variety performances as well that were like yeah. national events mm. and he was alongside such uh stellar UK personality names is Bobby Davro and Freddie Starr. Like the <laughs> Americans listening to this, are going, "Who the fuck are all these people?" But <laughs> this is like top of the top level of UK entertainment. Look, up all Freddie Starr shocking,
2: 90s. Freddie Starr telling Muhammad Ali some joke and shocking him. He's had oh, him that's scared. so
1: funny! Yeah, on Parkinson that was yeah, as well.
2: That was that was a great bit. I always remember that. He
1: had um he had the show uh. Uh, Kids said the funniest things, they interviewed the kids He had a show called My Kind of People Which was like another variety performance Not dissimilar to Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent Where people come on and go, I can do a tap dance uh, with a bucket on my head Or I can juggle chainsaws And he'd do a bit of an interview Kind of rip the piss a little bit out of the people With some camp humour, some innuendo You go, okay, do your talent And then they do the thing for 30 seconds and So there'd be like three minutes of crack The person would do their thing for like a minute and then another three minutes of crack at the end. There's like, all right, off you go. Who's next? And it was like this variety show on a Saturday night. And people were like, what the fuck? Barrymore's my kind of people. And then he'd go around to like shopping centers all over the country (laughs) and just be like having the banter with like 200 people in a shopping center. And someone's like dancing like Michael Jackson. And Barrymore get out and he'd try and dance like Michael Jackson as well, ripping the piss. It was just such fucking wholesome, really super popular commoner, like, common people, grassroots fucking entertainment. Like, Mm. the most loved, beloved, he's one of us, everyone... I'm trying to uh, paint a picture here of how actually popular and approachable and affable and lovable and accepted... Mm. And Michael Barrymore was Which is going to contrast Like when we talk about The actual murder That happened Which there's not Many details on So that's why I'm trying To paint this Mm. Picture of Mm. You know How culturally important Yeah Barrymore was Right So you had another show Called My Kind of Music Which was a TV show Mm. About um, music With again Three sets of two people At the podiums And they do this whole uh, You know Quiz show Variety stuff And um, uh, The Barrymore show Kind of got cut off In 97 And it came back in 2000 and in 2000, it was like this whole revamp, like loads of extra money. And they had like crazy guests, like people over from America and all. So in the early 90s when he was doing it, it was just like whoever was in the halls and ITV, which is like the opposite of BBC, it's the other side, they call it. But in the in the 2000 version, he had like real celebrities on it. Mm. And uh, that was going right up until the events of March 31st, 2001. It was a big blow to the to the Saturday night lineup because it was like, like imagine if 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 uh, there was a party at Jimmy Kimmel's house and like some some hooker overdosed on cocaine and died in Jimmy Kimmel's house, do you think Jimmy Kimmel would still be on the telly? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know this would be like you know if, if if if. Do you know
2: one of the reasons he said that he was trying to make a comeback and they couldn't put him on ITV? I think it was ITV. Yeah. Because a good percentage of their commercials. Had swimming, swimming pools, because it was always about holidays. Yes,
1: and... I saw that in the documentary. There was all like, oh, Thomas Cook. Yeah. There was even, for for my kind of people, it was him diving off a diving board into a swimming pool of like, uh, you know, those, those uh, synchronised swimmers from yeah, the Olympics, yeah, yeah. and he was diving into the swimming pool, so they couldn't have that as the titles anymore. It was oh, the geez. iconic titles of his TV show. <sighs> for this to happen, at the time it happened, with all of those TV shows with 20 years of at the very, very top of UK media fame. We're talking, he had a Tuesday night show, a Thursday night show, a Friday night show, a Saturday day show, a Saturday night show, and a Sunday evening show. All different genres for 20 years. All different age groups from kids to like teenagers to like middle-aged people to owl ones. He had stage shows. He had annual stuff. He had stand-up stuff. He had national stage stuff. He was talking... um, in, um, He's on the radio Entertaining then. the Queen He was on the radio He was dealing with Every other celebrity American, UK Music uh, Entertainment Comedy Movie stars Like this motherfucker Was plugged in mm. Right The only person I would like him to In popularity status Now Or like or like uh, a Cultural influence status Now Would be Say Graham Norton, Graham Norton yeah. But Graham Norton Is not doing half the shit That Michael Byron no. was doing Like if Graham Norton Was also doing four other TV shows, as well as the Graham Norton show, right? Mm-hmm. And he was doing, like, a stand-up uh, tour, live tour, and he was doing, like, a West End musical. Mm-hmm. And he was doing... Like, this lad was, like, fucking ADHD, like, mad, 24-7, turned up to 90.
2: No, he had he had a drinking drugs problem.
1: Oh, yeah, but you'd have to have that to be doing all that yeah, of work. Of course. Like, yeah, course, yeah. Of course. Fucking wired to the moon. But imagine if, then, some... Some fateful Friday, a dead lad with horrible injuries to his anus was found in Graham Norton's pool after a party. Can you imagine the scandal? Can you imagine the scandal? Like, that's what happened to Michael Barmore. Mm. That he was very publicly out and proud and accepted and loved. And there was nothing about any of that prejudice. All the prejudice was gone. It had taken a couple of years to work out of society. But... This fucking terrible thing happens, and it was inextricably linked in the mainstream media to his sexuality. Mm. It's yeah. like crazy, man, crazy thing. So yeah, in 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 ninety five, he he uh, came out as gay at a nightclub. We talked about at the White Swan. And he was like. Uh, singing that song, the Frank Sinatra yeah. song, New York, New York, uh, um, start spreading the news, I'm gay today. And there's rumors of him taking off his wedding ring and throwing into the crowd and all this kind of stuff. And you see in the documentary, the, the Body in the Pool, there's like a, a, a drag act who was saying like, everybody started cheering because Barrymore was on the stage behind yeah, him and I yeah. didn't see him and he was yeah. singing along with me for an hour. And um, he broke up with his wife then after that and apparently she was very controlling. Yeah. Like she was super controlling and she she decided what he wore, like where he went, like what award ceremonies he went to, what what he used to say. He she'd work on jokes. She and wrote stuff a book him,
2: about like... him then, saying he was all so, all sorts of a bastard. Yeah, uh, all
1: sorts of a drug addict and. And then he disputed
2: like... that, saying she had her own issues. Yeah, and so that was
1: in his in his book, All White Now. Yeah, that was his autobiography. He talks about all of that stuff. Uh, Barrymore talks about all that stuff about Cheryl and the relationship they had was kind of toxic and. Mm. Uh, he said that her treatment of him drove him to, like, drinking drugs. That's the reason. I'm like, ah, it isn't, it isn't. Like, not that I doubt it, but yeah. there's other reasons for it too, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about all of the the, 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 the influence of him, of him coming out as gay in 95, which is a huge thing, like, for, for somebody at his level. Mm. And then, at the peak of his career, at a time when it could have hurt him the most professionally, had the most cultural impact because of his fame, his success... And his notoriety, there was an incident at his house in Ryden in Essex. Mm. Now, some people say that if this crime had happened at the house of some regular person, some some normal John who's not a celebrity, who's not, like, ultra-famous, that we wouldn't still be talking about it today. And because it was Michael Barrymore, it became an international news story. Now, when I say by some people, I mean me. Like, I'm saying that Mm. if that was... Some regular motherfucker and somebody died in the pool and his arses in ribbons. It would just would have been, oh, something that happened like 20 years ago. And you might find it on some, you know, deep cut on some true crime podcast somewhere that was like, oh, the murder of such and such a guy or the mysterious death of the the floating pool man or blah, blah, blah. But this was fucking Michael Barmore, like. Yeah. This was such a fucking huge deal. Like, this was massive and for 20 years it's been dragged up every intermittently every five six years to be like what the fuck happened that night so on the night of march 31st 2001 stuart lubbock was found dead in the pool at michael barrymore's house now dead in the pool is a a term we'll discuss later on he was taken to the hospital and he died from horrific and brutal internal injuries this set off for roller coaster of events that would derail the career of one of the most famous men in Britain and destroy the lives of the remaining members of the Lubbock family, including Terry, uh, uh, Stuart's father. So, the story goes. Uh, in a nightclub called the Millennium Nightclub in Harlow and Essex, Michael Barrymore and a few of his mates went for a couple of drinks. Out in the night out. A couple of scoops. Mm-hmm. Also in the club that night it was Stuart Lubbock and his brother Kevin and the lads around in the pool. And Stuart had recently divorced from his wife Sue only a few months beforehand and was living with his father Terry and his brother in a in a terraced house in Harlow, so they were just out in the fucking bath there for the crack. Mm. Stuart worked in a meat packing factory, and it was he was a good looking, like friendly lad, mm. and his brother considered a ladies' man. He had a bit of charm. I saw the brother talking in the documentary, and he seems kind of a little bit like I don't know. He's a little bit maybe like um, challenged. Let's say it's probably right. the best word. Like he's not. He, he wouldn't be a great public speaker, let's say, in a kind of okay. way. Like, he's not... He's not uh, doing crosswords for fun, do you know? Yeah. And... I don't know if Stuart was like that as well. Maybe, you know... People like that might be more easily influenced. It wasn't exactly like he was super sharp and witty and... Do you know? Like... Mm. You know, watch the documentary and you see his brother talking and... and judge for yourself. But... The two lads... Out in the nightclub, Kevin thought, "Oh, my brother's a good-looking lad. He was, he was. Uh, Kevin was older, so he was um kind of jealous of his younger brother, the young, good-looking, charming young fella." So on a trip to the bathroom, Stuart ran into Michael Barrymore and was starstruck, like, "Holy mm. shit, man! The most fam- one of the most famous men in Britain is in the bathroom in my local fucking nightclub. Class." So, shaking hands with him. Shouting out catchphrases like "Oh what, Michael Barrera! Oh what!" and it was like "Oh what the back!" like doing all this fucking catchphrase shit that Michael would do on the shows, and uh, it was just all like a, a a a a frenzy of like cult of personality. It was people all around and go "Oh my god, did you hear Michael Barrera in the toilet!" "Oh my god!" And people run there like, "Oh Michael Barmore trying to shake hands, trying to get a piece and like a bit of high five or something. And uh, Michael was just like "Oh, this is getting a bit much. Like I just came out for a few drinks and it's turning mm-hmm. into like a a mob situation." And obviously, like, I don't know, Pats are like, Barrymore obviously saw something in Stuart that he liked because the way the story is told by Kevin and by other witnesses, Barrymore told a woman to go over to Stuart Lubbock and and whisper into his ear and invite him back to a house party.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So, like, with Barrymore being a very publicly gay man, divorced, Mm -hmm. he was going out with a guy at the time, yeah, and we're we'll talking about him in a minute. But like, why to have an you, invite back to my house,
2: why would you go back if you wearing... single?
1: One dude out after meeting him in the toilet, good-looking young fella who's also single, mm-hmm. and go go over, go over and get him to come to back to my house for a party. Like, what's what's the motivation there? What's the it, it wasn't like not that I'm saying that Stuart Lubbock wasn't scintillating party conversation, but there's a reason why at half two in the morning. Mm. In a nightclub, you're getting somebody to go over and go ask him back to the party well, here's on no, his own.
2: But Michael Barrymore, you described Michael Barrymore as very um, affable, friendly. Everyone yes. felt comfortable around him, yes. and so he's asking for back for a drink. He's a good fella. Michael it's Barrymore is nice go Barry, not going to do any harm.
1: Yeah, but then but you're there's saying also There's, the there's also
2: said that, that he's gay, and is is he asking him back for uh, sexual reasons yeah. or whatever? I mean, you have to stand back and go. And there's people that love to drink, but women did go back.
1: Yeah, there was girls went back as well. But and it was,
2: so your man was a ladies' man. Women went back. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one.
1: It's a weird one. If you were out with your brother, yeah, and your brother's, like I, I would think an intimidating-looking man. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. He's not like you know. He's a gentle giant, yeah. but also like, if he wanted, to, he could furrow his brow. And turned very quickly into a hard cunt. Yeah. You and the brothers, though. And then you have somebody, like a very prominent gay celebrity. Mm. And you see him, you're like, oh, all right, what's the crack? Mm. Yeah, what are you doing? And you call calling it the catchphrase or whatever. Mm. Uh, uh, smell me neighbours. <laughs> right? For example. Right? <laughs> all right, what's the crack? And then 20 minutes later, a woman comes over to you, and not your brother, but to you, and goes, come here, he wants you to go back to a party in his house. Yeah. And you're going like, mm... Well, he is very famous. I could go home to me wife. Yeah. It is half two and I am hammered. Um, Okay, I'm just going to leave me brother so, to make his own way home So and then go that back comes in. He said
2: he never gave him drugs. Drugs would make you do that.
1: Yeah, I mean. Coke,
2: Coke. When people get Coke, they want more. They want more Coke when maybe, they get
1: Coke. Maybe they want Coke, yeah. Maybe yeah. you're going back to, to for the specificity of taking drugs like that. this guy has them. Yeah, he has loads of he's drinking them drugs. offering to you for free. Great. Oh, no. Let's Friday do night.
2: It. Saturday to recover I'm on the lash Yeah Let's go
1: Could it be something as simple as I'm just going back Because the lads have cocaine
2: Yeah I, I, That could be I mean
1: I, I've done it I've gone to people's Practices like Oh we have a bag Do you want to come back for a bit of bag Yeah I'll throw in for it Yeah come on we go You se- already have it We don't have to a go s- looking for it
2: Session ma Yeah i mean like <laughs> Session ma
1: just, That's why I had these lonely titties <laughs> Left over from them days Session ma Is such a Isn't it a Derogatory term
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who's has the bag Who's the worst the
1: But like that's the thing, like so so Stuart Lubbock was possibly but but again, Barrymore denies there was any drug taken. There was maybe a little bit of weed smoked. Mm. They're not yes. talking about like <laughs> rubbing cocaine on people's teeth. He was uh, accused by a witness of saying like yeah. you got cocaine from a bag and you put it on your finger and you forced it onto Stuart Lubbock's gums and mm. Michael Barrymore's like, I absolutely categorically did not. Mm. We didn't take cocaine that night. Yeah. But he, he was admitted to rehab facilities for uh, alcohol and drug dependence.
2: They, they said he found they found cocaine in the house because there was cocaine. But he said, "Yeah, but there was cocaine in the house before."
1: There was loads of cocaine. You could, you but could, like at you the could party, wipe, you could wipe any surface at yeah. any point, and at some point, there was cocaine yeah. in that house. Yeah. So, like, it might so, have been that night, but it could yeah. have been another night. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. So, it's, look, it's a fucking weird one, man, yeah. to think about. I find it very, but very. Why would you go home like that?
2: But I find it also the people that went home as well—a bin man, and his sister, another young one who was seventeen. Yeah. Two neighbours turned up or something later. Yeah,
1: we're going to talk about it all now, yeah.
2: And, like, they all stuck to some form of story. Now, your man, the boyfriend, came in in a rage.
1: So we'll talk about that now, right? So the party was at Barrymore's house. It was only a short 15 minutes spin away in a taxi from the nightclub. And Barrymore, Stuart Lubbock, and a brother and sister, friends of Barrymore, Justin and Kylie Merritt, all got into the one taxi. And the taxi driver, Kevin was his name, Remembers the state of them all in the back of the cab, mm. especially Barrymore, who was absolutely smashed. Mm. And he leaned forward in the cab and he whispered in the ear of the cab driver, For some reason, Matt's, and I don't know why this man remembered this. Like, like you know, six months later, one guy, go- well, obviously it was Michael Barrymore, so you're going to remember, like, Hey, Michael Barrymore, I Michael Barrymore in the cab the other night. Leaned forward <laughs> to me and he said, I could really do with a fuck right now. And I was like,
0: Fucking leave it
1: out, Michael. Uh, I'm 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 in work, mate. Uh, like fucking keep it to I'm the off, back seat, mate. I'm awful at eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fucking. I'm on all night. I don't have to listen to that shit in my ear. Uh, fuck off. Like if Michael Barmore leaned forward and went, I could really do with a fuck right now. Like you'd be like, ugh, get away from me. I'm driving. You know. Uh, so obviously w- a weird thing. I could really do with a fuck right now. He says. They were dropped off at Michael Barmore's house just before three, and they were joined later by others. Now the others. Were Jonathan Kenny, mm. uh, who was Barrymore's like boyfriend slash partner at the time. Now there's CCTV footage of the two of them having an argument before Barrymore got in the taxi. I would presume this is because Barrymore had booked a cab and gone back to the house, 15 minutes drive away, which is a good stint, but like still pretty close if you're talking about country times, right? And left Jonathan Kenny behind. And instead took this brand new good looking stranger, Stuart Lubbock, with him in the back seat. And Kenny was probably saying to Barrymore, are you going to fucking leave me, your lover, at this nightclub to wait around for an hour for another cab and you're going to take this fucking stranger home? And, and Barrymore's like, will you relax? And there's CCTV footage of the two of them having like a arms up in the air, like rah, 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 argument. And Barrymore storms off, gets into the taxi and drives off. So an hour later, Jonathan Kenny lands into the house, mad because mm. he'd been left behind. It had a fight, and um, he was in tow with uh, just after four a.m. Uh, he he arrives. Uh, um, John, Jonathan Kenny, who was a coach driver, um, he arrived into the house with uh, two girls.
2: Yeah, which is strange.
1: Like a seventeen-year-old called Claire Jones and another girl called Kelly Campbell. There was nine people in total in the house that evening. So there was Michael Barrymore, Stuart Lubbock, uh the the Justin Merritt who came in a taxi with the two lads. He was a bin man, and his sister Kylie Merritt. Yeah. And then coach driver and drag queen and boyfriend of Michael Barmore, Jonathan uh Kenny, arrived with the two girls. And then later on, two lads who lived only a little bit up the road. Uh Simon Shaw and a chef called James Footers. So nine people all in all yeah. were at this house, right? So you're talking about just after four, maybe four quarter past four, all nine of the people landed in, party time. Now, Barrymore and Lubbock and the uh, the merits, mm. Justin and Kylie had already been in the house for an hour. Mm. Having a few drinks, Barrymore was acting the host, going around and getting a few shots, doing a few, mixing, he had a whole alcohol cabinet, this whole mm. thing. And Kylie Merritt said that she saw Barrymore in this hour going and getting a bit of coke and rubbing it on Lubbock's gums. Yeah. This is even before, like, uh, Jonathan Kenny or, or anybody arrived, right? So there was a whole hour there where there was only three witnesses as to what was going on with Stewart. Mm. And then the lads arrived in just after four. Mm. And, like, shit started to get messy. Like, people were hammered. Like, there were, you know what happens, you know... Come on, Patsy. We've all been at the house parties. When you're measured, because you're paying five pounds a drink or whatever in the pub, you're like, right, I'm on my fifth drink now. I better calm down. Okay, I'm on my eighth pint now. I better calm down. But then when you go back to the party, you're pouring singles (laughs) like they're doubles. You're pouring doubles like they're singles, or you're pouring triple, free pouring fucking. Yeah, a pint of Southern Comfort and a bottle of, and a bottle of fucking Smirnoff yeah. ice and a pint glass with some ice and you're like, like greedy fucking I, yeah, fall yeah, asleep greedy, shit. Like, yeah, yeah, you get massive amount. Yeah, Massive amount. And the fucking, the, this, the, 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 the Colombian marching powder is in, which is sobering you up in your mind, but your body is still dealing with all the alcohol. So you're like, like I've never been more fucked up than nights when you're taking like amphetamine or cocaine or anything like that. I've never been more drunk and just dest- like the body is destroyed because you're putting in the alcohol so you don't go too mentally high yeah but the 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 uppers are counteracting the brain retardation <laughs> from the alcohol like you're actually like doing brain damage but you can't feel it because you feel full of energy like usually when you're not drunk you just fall asleep so you can't drink anymore or you're so stoned that you yeah. just fall asleep you can't smoke anymore yeah. but yeah. when you're drinking on like something like cocaine or amphetamines just keep you going. don't even feel it You just keep going, keep going Keep going Keep going Yeah. So I can understand Like how blackouts And you're just fucking operating It's actually calming you down a bit Isn't it Yeah It's stopping you from getting too high But it's also like r- Your insides are wrecked mm. You know Like you are actually that drunk But you just can't feel it mm. Like you're blackout Like You can understand When they go home At these parties And the drugs are flowing The drink is flowing Like it, it It's gonna get messy mm. And everybody was hammered It's four in the morning After a big night out In a nightclub Like, everyone is hammered. So when you talk about, like, the witness testimonies and stuff that we talk about in a minute. So, all these people started having a party, started drinking, allegedly doing some drugs. They were at least, at the very least, smoking weed out of a bong. Yeah. The cocaine is a questionable uh, thing and has been denied vehemently by Barrymore himself, right? Yeah. Kylie Merritt describes Barrymore's strange behaviour, uh, like at one stage she said she saw him and Stuart in the bathroom. One you know, of mm. the bathrooms. And she said, Hey, you guys all right? And Barrymore, without even looking at her, got the door and just shut it in her face as he continued to talk to Stuart. The two were in the bathroom on their own. But he was like fucking like John, like chatting the face off and just and then and then and then You know, and Stuart was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. I and mean, then Michael Barrymore says, Michael Barrymore's talking to me, yeah, 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 yeah. In the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, and your is like, That's it looks like a weird situation and Barrymore's like, Shum Shuts the door. Like, that's something she mentioned in court, testified mm. to. And there was no real, like, what can you infer from that information? There's something going on They were having, like, a personal relationship, mm. an interaction at the very least. What can you say about that? There's not, There's no guilt in that. Like, there's not There's not really you can, there's no conclusion you can draw from that interaction. Was he But uncomfortable? it just seems, uh, that's the thing, that she was fucking hammered as well. Like, you can't say, like, what, what yeah. does that mean? But the fact that she remembers it as something that should be mentioned, is enough for me to go like, that's a bit weird. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's a murderer. No. Do you know? So, we come to this, uh, part, so you can maybe bring us through this bit. We come to the moment of what we call the body in the pool. It's a, There's a Channel 4 documentary, Barrymore, mm. the body in the pool. Um, and this is the bit where the shit gets real.
2: At 5am, neighbours report hearing screams, and Barrymore says that this was around the time he was... Walking out to the pool and saw Stuart's body floating at the bottom of the pool. Visible only when he turned the lights on.
1: Weird that he said the term floating at the bottom of the pool, like he was suspended in in the water.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He remembers looking into Stuart's eyes. Barrymore didn't immediately jump into the pool to rescue Stuart because he claims he wasn't a good swimmer. Uh, his agent and wife actually both disagree with that claim. Cause they, she said he could swim. I remember that.
1: Actually. Yeah, why wouldn't you... Even tra- oh my god, are you okay. Like yeah. Barmore says he clearly remembers Stuart f- floating, facing with face up mm. and then other witness testimony well, contradicts there that saying you're floating a, face there's down. There's a bit of shock. There is. And obviously, like f- if I saw a dead body in a swimming pool and I'm like you know, yeah. I, I done swimming uh, swim and train and all I'm I'm like a train yeah. swimmer, like and I yeah. still I, I still think twice about jumping into the pool. Yeah. It's shocked. Yeah.
2: And then went to get Jonathan because he was a first aider who could help with CPR because he, he was a lifeguard or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Trained first aider, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, other versions of were told by the police that like Simon Shaw and James Futters claimed Filters, Foot- is that his name? What's his
1: name? I, I heard it on the documentary pronounced Futters.
2: Futters, okay. Um, That they
1: found Stuart face down in the pool and both jumped in to try and save him. Yeah, so they said that he was floating face down. Like, do you know the way you see the yeah. the floating kind of dead body style? Yeah. And Baron well, was. did like, Bernie say he was facing upwards? Facing upwards, and he looked into his eyes, he said. Yeah. So, like, it's weird that such a monumentous occasion, something that you would never forget, even if yeah. you are fucking smashed, that there's so many contradicting stories about how it transpired. Like, it's very. No. It's immediately suspicious, did, did, and the public are right, and the, the press are right to be suspicious about um, the events that are relayed by the people who are at this party, because it. Comes across as Does the brain play tricks on you though? Uh, of course it would And shock and so, and like, alcohol and drugs uh, Was he
2: looking into his eyes before this And all of a sudden yeah. He sees him in the pill And his memory gets Exactly It could be mixed up Mixed up, mixed up, up and memories and, and all this stuff yeah. yeah, I mean that can happen can't it?
1: Of course it can But uh, the fact that j- People are combing Through your testimony For uh, any tiny yeah. Inconsistency yeah, well, this consistency Because it. they want to Fucking lamp you With a murder charge yeah. Of course that stuff Is going to be like Way over analysed You know not not saying, not professing Barrymore's innocence in that case. I'm just saying your favourite thing, Devil's Advocate, very easy to remember, to, 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 to not be able to remember that stuff, especially when you're smashed. Like,
2: However, it was that pulled him out. Justin Merritt made the call to the constabulary to get the ambulance out to the house and said the unforgettable line, some geezers drowned the pool, mate.
1: But he said, he said it so he's like, uh hello 999 yeah some geese is in the pool it's kind of what's like... that uh, some fella's drowned in the pool yeah it's terrible innit yeah it was really it's some geezer. Ma- matter of fact and then they were like oh yeah is he is he st- is uh. he breathing still though? no i think he's dead and then there was like a moment of silence and to fill the oh, gaps boy. your man goes oh it's terrible innit first night out in weeks yeah Got the, got the child at home. The first night out in weeks, this fucking happens. Like, like, yeah, it's ugh. an
2: inconvenience. Inconvenience. The like, inconvenience oh. of a mate. Someone's <laughs> dead in the fucking, fucking
1: pool. First of all, i get, I order rum and, rum and coke. He gives me tea and maria and coke. I'm like, oh, what Mom, Mrs. is going to go spare. What I can't an even inconvenience. go out for drink. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> first it's tea, maria and coke. Then the dead guy in the pool. What a mare. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he said it in such a way that it was like a minor inconvenience, like a flat tire or something. Yeah. Really weird. That's Jonathan yeah. Kenny's or uh, Justin Merrick making that uh, Yeah, Yeah, he's a strange fellow, yeah, isn't he? Weird, weird fucking phone call, man.
2: I I've, I I looked into some of this and I'm wondering, brother and sister, was your man trying on with the sister?
1: Stuart Lubbock? Yeah. Possibly.
2: And him getting annoyed.
1: Wetly lee- off the fence at the end, man. We're, we we we'd throw the we'd throw the wild theories out when we looked at all the evidence.
2: Okay, okay.
3: Um,
1: where was I <laughs> But anywhere? good good thinking. Um, Justin Murray made yeah.
2: pretty, pretty the call to pretty pre unemotional. Justin said someone was in the pool. He might be dead, and added it was his first night he had. <laughs> in months we went through it all. something like this happens. So, Justin told the emergency services that it was a drowning. So no one was expecting a murder scene.
1: Yeah, he said that like someone's drowned in the pool. Yeah. So they t- took it like, oh yeah, he must be dead.
2: So nothing was, t- nothing was it wasn't cordoned off. Yeah. And there was a pill thermometer. Yeah. That was in a picture. So uh, it wasn't expecting a murder scene. The 999 call happened at 5.46am, 4, 4, which is three quarters of an hour after Stuart
1: was found. That's a bit mad to leave it that long, <clears> isn't it?
2: What were they doing this whole time? The temperature of the pool was just 26 degrees and it wasn't the height of summer. It was cold. Yeah, yeah, freezing. So that would be enough to give anyone hypothermia. Stuart was brought to Princess Alexandria Hospital, but because of the severity of his injuries, he died and was officially pronounced dead at 8.23 a.m. Stuart Lubbock's mother was very upset to hear that her son had been killed. Obviously. Obviously (laughs) But Was angry that Stuart Was now branded as a As gay As if That was a satisfactory way To justify his death Like he went there For an orgy An orgy And was his fault His own fault
1: Yeah yeah That's the way that the media Kind of portrayed it It was like like, Well what do you expect You're going to a notoriously Gay man's house With a bunch of other people you and you got fucked up the arse and it uh-huh. went wrong we like,
2: told you to wear your motorbike helmet
3: going on a motorbike <laughs> yeah, what,
2: what <laughs> we told
1: you to not what, go to like. Yes. what were you expecting <laughs> you're going back to a house party after yeah. a night out with Michael Barmore. Yeah. It was of course it was going to turn into an orgy and you got fisted and it, and, and someone was wearing yeah. it didn't take off their watch and it went yeah. wrong and now you're dead so like yeah. but that was the, it was kind of like yeah well yeah. Like he was it's like Stuart Lubbock Was now being branded as gay Because he cooperated In some kind of gay orgy It wasn't The the narrative at the time Wasn't You know Divorced Straight man Goes to a Celebrity's House party And then gets like Violently sexually attacked And <coughs> dies from his injuries uh, It was like Michael Barrymore Hosts gay orgy Where Shit went wrong And someone died It was about Michael Barrymore wasn't about Stuart Lubbock Yeah Do You know It was about a comedian's like sexual impropriety, rather than like some mm. lad getting attacked and killed, mm. which is f- fucking weird.
2: The perceived risky lifestyle was almost an explanation for, as on why Stewart was killed, and the ex-wife, parents, brother, yeah, friends, yeah. and everyone else would have asked. He 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 would have said he was zero percent gay at all ever.
1: Yeah, anyone that was asked, whenever they said to. Kevin Kevin said my brother's a ladies man mm. uh, Terry was like he's 100% not gay His ex-wife was like yeah. he's totally not gay Like never any inclination mm. of anything to be gay mm. Like they had to really bait that Accusation of being gay mm. Out of the equation And this again goes back to the stuff we were talking about At the top of the show We were young lads going Oh well I'm not gay But if I do maybe go to a party with gay lads Are they going to turn on me like and fuck me up the arse to death like that was, and I'm, it's a terrible thing to say now, but that was the fucking pervasive narrative that was being played out by the media. Yeah. So in 2001, at 18, I was going, hmm, do I have enough uh, audacity to think that I'm so sexually attractive to gay men that they'll, invite, they'll lure me back to a party when I'm drunk at night time and then like fist me to death oh I'm not hanging out with any gay lads fuck that I'm not taking the risk I'm too good looking I'm mm. too irresistible to gay lads <laughs> like what the fuck kind of a weird ass narrative is that to put out yeah on the daily this was like Michael Barrymore gay orgy again Michael Barrymore's gay orgy, like all the way up to nine eleven, which was yeah. like six months later seven months later yeah. like Barrymore was on the front page so, new revelations in the Barrymore case D- did we say that he was gay and your man's arse exploded like uh, yeah Everywhere, man. Mm. And as a young fella, when you're watching that, it's kind of like all <gasps> oh, my subconscious fears have been realised. I knew if I hanged out with the gays, like remember the shit in school is like back to the wall, lads. Yeah, he's gonna try and finger you, and then like ass to the wall. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, back to the ass to the wall. Make sure you don't get to give him a chance to rape you, and you're like, yeah. why? Why is like a gay lad in school associated with like unwanted sexual penetration? Like <laughs> gay lads are all out to rape, and I know we were fuck. We grew up in it. <laughs> we grew up in an atmosphere of like paedophile priests and people who were like secretly you know pre- predatory predatorily, secretly homosexual in positions of authority so they drew being convinced into like a safe situation and then that safe situation was being taken advantage of that's also all the stuff we talked about at the start of the show that's also in our cultural mix as young lads growing up yes. don't forget like it's such a fucking you could write a mad thesis on on this whole situation on mm-hmm. what it uncovered in uh, in culture for people mm. in our cohort like yeah. of straight white men in their mid-teens mm. to go like oh my god Michael I can't believe that happened but it was almost like a cautionary tale like don't go back to parties with gay lads because they'll rape you up the arse to death like mm. what the fuck kind of a narrative is that and if you were in the gay community going like um, that's just that Michael Barrmore says like that's never happened at my house I don't even mm. have a pool yeah. do you know what I mean Yeah, it's such a fucked up thing to have happen Such a fucked up thing to happen to Stuart Lubbock. Terrible. Died from it, like Lord of Mercy. Such a fucked up thing to happen to his family, like their son is taken away in this really weird, still unsolved, fucked up, terrible, violent way that's full of suffering. It's also a fucked up thing to happen to Michael Barrymore. His career was ruined. And it's also a fucked up thing to happen to the whole gay community because it was being portrayed to everybody else who had nothing to do or uh, didn't know anything about a gay lifestyle. It was portrayed that, like, yes, all your suspicions have been realized. Gay lads do be having orgies at nighttime in pools, and sometimes they do so much sex things with their arses that they die from it. Mm. And this ad may or may not have been gay.
0: It could be you. Like, such a fucking weird
1: story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, it is. And I think that's... strange, yeah. Now that the details... It, we, we all... It we, kind of uh, not justifies the things we were saying at the start, but, like, you can understand, like, how...
2: We were... Conf- we're f- fucked f- in hell Confuddled. Like. Com- uh, whatever. Befuddled and confused and...
1: Confuddled is a new word. I like that. <laughs> it's like confuddled <laughs> and... Yeah, confuddled is good.
2: Confuddled and fucked up and not even understanding. And then, when well, looking at this... So, the only reaction we have, as just might say, was a big load of homophobia, yeah. homophobic jokes, and, oh, oh you dead in the pool. What's yeah, that yeah, yeah.
1: joke about him in the pool? Put the fags out in the pool, Put the that's you didn't have an no, ashtray in the oh, house. Like. Yeah. That was how we dealt with that shit, it was, it was just low, like,
2: oh, yeah, oh, And like, and, and I, I don't think, I was going to say this earlier, did everybody say, when you were younger, say, oh, watch Michael Barrymore. But then if you said, watch my even before that happened, watch Michael Barrymore, you didn't go around,
1: no, you wouldn't be like, oh man, you see Barrymore Saturday night? It like, yeah. wasn't a thing that you'd publicly you just watch, say. You just watched it. just them. watched it and enjoyed it and, but didn't talk about it. It was fucking weird, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, because nowadays you got like, oh, you look, watch Graeme Norton he's fucking great. He's very good. Oh, this, that's a great one like Graeme Norton yeah, and your yeah. man is on it and he's slagging the fuck out and the fella in the chair they pulled the fucking thing down and yeah, it's funny and it's great. Oh, yeah, we're having a beer watching Graham Norton. He's a bit of a crack. He's yeah. better than that fucking tuberty fellow. He has always someone, always do it, whatever. Fucking someone on, on tuberty is and like... And we're
1: using Graham Norton because he's like Irish. He's like one of us. Yeah. We know him very well. Yeah, and yeah. he's on telly for fucking 30 years. It's not like he's the only gay celebrity that we yeah. know, but it's just like that exact. Uh, uh, Norton fits in that. Graham Norton fits in that exact same place in fame, society, notoriety, and celebrity access that. Far fitted in yeah. In the 90s Yeah Like so it's a perfect example Of like yeah. Can you imagine this stuff Happening to Graham Norton yeah. today Yeah It wouldn't ha- Like it wouldn't happen There yeah. wouldn't be the same Narrative around it It wouldn't be allowed To be talked about the same way But in 2001 mm. It was almost allowed To yeah. like Have yeah. all these crazy Unsubstantiated Fear mongering Narratives around like uh. Sexuality but and
2: then the case
1: gets No I know I'm not going to jump ahead Yeah yeah
2: But all that explained and all the things, the sad things about Stewart, about Michael Barrymore, the case gets goes even further into knots and weirdness.
3: Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys.
1: Well, let's talk about it then. Like, if you were a celebrity and you have a dead party reveler mm-hmm. in your gaff after a night of drinking drugs, like that's a clear career death sentence. Like mm-hmm. you're done. Pack it up and go yeah. home. You're finished, right? So, Barrymore had a lot to lose. Like, this made him act crazy. So, imagine you're Barrymore, mm. top of the game, mil, two million pounds a, a year he's making off these things. That doesn't seem like a lot now, but in, in them days, it was a lot. Mm. So, uh, party goer, Claire Jones, who was brought back by um, Jonathan Kenny, Barrymore's boyfriend, Claire Jones claims that she saw Barrymore, uh, James Footers and Simon Shaw all get changed. to ch- Change their clothes out of the wet yeah. stuff. But Barrymore was in this big rush, like, big time. She saw Barrymore gathering up uh, a bunch of items all around the house. Him and John Kennedy, uh, Jonathan Kennedy were running around the house. Like, it was almost like, oh, shit. Uh, Okay, red alert, red alert. And they just went around and started cleaning up all the drug paraphernalia, started cleaning up all the stuff. Like, fuck, like, fixed the whole crime scene so it looks like he died by accident. That's the inference from this, right? Mm. So Claire Jones says she saw Barrymore, like, going and gathering up a bunch of stuff, including a bong. And possibly the handle of an outdoor shed that uh, the pathologist said could very well have been the murder weapon. Like, he was rogered up the arse by the handle of the shed, right? Mm. Um, And he bundled up this stuff. She didn't see what it was, but it was an armful of stuff in a jumper. And he and Simon Shaw and James Footers ran from the house. He fled the scene. And that as well, to the public seem to be like an admission of guilt. If you flee the scene, if you have a... a, Pierce Morgan said that to Barrymore in the interview. Mm. said, Michael, you fled the scene. Now, that's a crime in itself. If you're in a car accident and you flee the scene, and Barrymore corrected him and said, that's only a crime in a car accident because you were driving. If you were guilty and you caused the accident, if you flee the scene... Like, it's not a crime for the passenger to flee the scene of an accident. It's a crime for the driver. Mm. And Barrymore said, I'm innocent of any wrongdoing. So for me to leave that house, there's no crime there. But it was, in the court of public opinion, a suspicious act. Mm. Somebody dies in your pool and you just pack up a load of stuff and fuck off. It wasn't responsible. It It wasn't responsible. And It It was his home as well. It
2: wasn't... wasn't, um it wasn't like saying he didn't say to himself, right? This is what's happening in my house. Get the police here as quick as can. This is an accident. I want to sort this out. Yeah. Get this out. Listen, I'm I'm here to cooperate. Sitting there, freaking out, but I'm here to cooperate. This man is after dying. I don't know what's what happening. Like he legged it.
1: But obviously, like.
2: But then you know, the state of shock as well. You know, obviously in his own mind,
1: he's knowing like I'm Michael Barrymore Like if this if this gets out, like someone's going to ring the ambulance. The ambulance going to tell somebody. The cops are going to get called. Someone along the way. Is gonna know some shit, mm. and then the papers are gonna get called, and with the ambulance and the police, I'm gonna be standing here, hammered at five o'clock in the morning, and they're gonna be taking pictures of me, and it's gonna be on the front of the paper. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like, obviously, he knew. Like, this is big business. I gotta go. I can't be. I can't. There can't be photographs of me hammered. Like fucking. Uh, at the time, you know, there, there was photos of Britney Spears, or photos of Lindsay Lohan, like, oh, fucking smack guy yeah. coming out of nightclubs and shit, like, Ooh. that was what, you know, paparazzi were doing that shit, the whole time, yeah. catching people in in states of uh, various, yeah. you know, states of fucked upness, and Barrymore's like, I'm not having that, like, I'm out, bye-bye, and gone, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Simon Sean, James Footers live very close by, and they took Barrymore to Simon's house, they were seen, no joke, running up Roydon High Street, away from the dying Stuart Lubbock who was being given CPR at the poolside by Jonathan Kenny, still at Barrymore's house, mm. as Justin Merritt calls 999 and tells him Stewart Stuart had already drowned when he was still alive. He was still alive at the poolside, right? Madness. Just madness. So this bong was wrapped up and brought by Barrymore to Simon's house and left there and found there the next day and and Simon Shaw put it in the fridge He didn't give it to the guards as I didn't give it to the police as evidence for some reason. Really weird and strange, but it was obviously we're covering up drug use in the house And weed is still illegal in the UK, so, like, you know, understandably, Mm. maybe when they were going around cleaning up everything else, they were, like, flushing the cocaine and the jacks, just, get rid of all the coke, get rid of all the coke. Now, when they did the... We talk about the pathologists and stuff now in a minute, but when they did the pathology on Stuart Lubbock's body, there was ecstasy, cocaine, and marijuana found in his bloodstream. So, like, they were obviously doing, like, a good amount of drugs there, right? Yeah. So, Claire and Kelly were told to come with the three men when they were running from the house and they went about halfway and then t- Turner decided oh no and they went back to the poolside to see if they could help Stuart Lubbock so it took just 10 minutes for the Amnesty to arrive at Barrymore's house but Michael was already gone and Stuart was taken to the hospital in a state of hypothermia and he died a few short hours later at 8.23am his core temperature was almost 23 degrees which is like really 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 oh, badly wow. cold like yeah. he must have been in that pool for a good long time for his core temperature to go down that, that low you know mm. Barrymore claims that he left the house, not oh. fled the house, but left the house because there was, you know, obviously gonna be that media storm. Yeah. What it doesn't explain though is that the tidying up of the stuff, and then Barrymore called Michael Brown, who is his personal assistant, mm. but he didn't call him off his own phone, he called him off somebody else's phone, obviously no one like phone records and blah blah blah. He said on the way, running to Simon Shaw's house, Michael, you gotta go down to the house and clean up. Um So Michael Brown, the PA, said the next day, and this is another really suspicious fucking thing that's been held over Barrymore's head for 20 years, So that Michael Brown went and cleaned up a bunch of stuff while the police were investigating the house. Wiping down counters, cleaning up your personal effects. Barrymore says, I sent Brown down to lock up the house after the police were done. He said he couldn't face going into the house. But what Michael Brown did was, went in, tidied up a little bit, cleaned up the bit in the kitchen. Maybe a couple of surfaces weren't... Fully wiped down for cocaine residue when the police were testing. Maybe there was I don't know a pair of underpants that had blood on them, or some towels or a robe that had blood on it, which there were. Like if it was Stuart Lubbock's blood on a towel or Stuart Lubbock's blood on a, a dressing gown, which there claims to be. Like there's claims that that, but they hadn't been added into evidence. The police fucked up in the investigation because they thought it was a drowning and they thought that the body was moved from the house. And they didn't lock down all the evidence. They didn't lock down the scene as a crime scene. They just locked it down as a "oh, this is a terrible tragedy scene." Mm. So they didn't fucking put any security measures to keep evidence like bloodstained underpants, or a bloodstained towel, or a bloodstained robe. Yeah, yeah. Took to keep them as evidence. And Michael Brown went down and fucking got rid of them, banged them in the washing machine, or got rid of them shits. He also got rid of the pool thermometer, which the the prosecution or the the the, the prosecutors of the case since do believe that the size and shape and, I guess, length of this pool thermometer, which was kind of like, to describe it for the listening audience, it was like a floaty, kind of spongy thing at the top that was maybe Mm. the size of, like, a pineapple, Mm. and then uh, underneath it was, like, what I can only describe as, like, a dildo-sized type yeah. of plastic tube with a thermometer in it so obviously you lash this into the pool and it floats upside down in the pool and then you pull it out by the spongy bit because mm. it floats like you know you have boat keys when you're on a yep. boat and you get the key ring and it's like a floaty cork thing so if you drop them in the water they float yeah. this is like that you pull it out and obviously it looks like a big massive glass cock that they think was used somebody at the house used to roger Stuart Lubbock Lug- Lug- up the arse rupture his hole in bits we'll talk about that in a second and Michael Brown went to the house and that thing that you said earlier on police had aerial photographs and saw it by the jacuzzi poolside and it was gone and then when they went to look for it it was actually gone because Michael Brown had cleaned it up and it was never found Mm. so like how was Michael Brown allowed to do that why did Michael Barrymore call from somebody else's phone to ask him to do that why did Michael Barrymore and his mates clean up a lot of stuff and bring evidence like it's evidence from the the house to stewardship Simon Shaw's.
2: Essex police have a reputation of being a bit Suspect. I mean, the Land Rover murders. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, uh, very suspect. They, 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 they sort. Well, that has Let's, been. Is the suspicious? is it negligence. You know, that has Just been said. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. loads of people in in on all these cases. The Essex Police are notorious for. Now, is that an accusation? It could be, obviously, but there's a few cases where if there's money involved...
1: Yeah, if it's a celebrity that they'll cover some shit up like...
2: Well, you know, he paid off... Barrymore paid off people in certain aspects.
1: Mm. He had been known and there was rumours that he had paid off people to keep his homosexuality a secret before Mm. he was Mm. ready to come out. Uh, You know, he was having like that... We're
2: we're making him sound really guilty now,
1: aren't we? I mean, this is not that We're not making him sound guilty. We're saying the things that are true and actually happened. And that would... Intimate or presume that yeah. his motivations were suspicious, yes, slash, guilty, yes, like that he was guilty of maybe being a celebrity who was embroiled in a scandalous situation and his actions were to protect his career integrity, yeah, not that he was guilty of the crime of actually Roger and Stuart Lugo- Lubbock up the arse with a f- pool thermometer, yeah, by his own hand. But it happened in his house and he didn't want the association with it. So there is some element of duplicity. There is some element of deceit on Michael Barrymore's part that he's not telling the full truth mm. and hasn't for 20 years. And therefore is partly somewhat
2: responsible
1: responsible for the situation that happened. Now, mm. obviously, you can understand, dear listener, if you're one of the most famous people in the UK and a motherfucker dies violently with an arse explosion in your house and is found in a pool... You don't want to be there. You don't want to be photographed. You don't want people talking about it. You don't want that shit at your feet. Mm -hmm. It's it's a fucking career killer. Yeah. But by the same token, justice would behoove you to tell the truth. Yeah. Now, what I think, and do you know, when you are in these types of clubs, Pat, I don't know if you listen to episodes we talk about some shit like you know you are in the fucking the Jeffrey Epstein club. You get into that club and they promise you the world, and then they're like, "Well, here is this kid. You want to fuck it." And you're like, yeah, go on then. And then you fuck this kid just to be in the cool gang. And then they go, okay, we just filmed you doing that. You, what? Yeah, we filmed we have you on camera doing that with pictures and stuff like that. Oh, fuck, man. You said it was all good. Like, it's like, mm. yeah, well. So we have videos of so you doing it now. So I think we ask of you were, we want you to do like changing laws or, you know, making business decisions or funneling billions of dollars here and there. You're just going to do it. Or we're just going to release those pictures of you fucking that kid. Okay. All right. Go on then. Like that's the way that's the way business is done, apparently, yeah. right? So like, not saying that uh, Michael Barrier was into fucking kids, like that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that he was into some shit that was going to result in some terrible outcome if the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth was he to come to light. him regardless. It was going to fuck him up. Now, not that this way of going on hasn't already fucked him up. Yeah, I know. Like he's all he's seventy now. He still hasn't got his career back on track. People still think and there's a suspicion in the shadow hanging over him that he has done it. That he was responsible or that he did take part in it. So like the damage to his reputation is already done so why not tell the truth? Yeah. That would indicate to me a conspiracy theorist someone who studied these types of cabalistic uh, you know g- grooming gangs and groups of people who are into some fucking dark secret shit. It would say to me Pastor, that for Michael Barrymore to out the person who actually did this shit would uncover not only the crime of the murder of of Stuart Lubbock, mm. but possibly a whole host of other mad shit that none of us could ever even imagine, yeah, and to squeal on the lad who actually did it would cause a retaliation of a load of squealing mm. about other shit that Michael Barrymore may have done or has been involved in or there's a group of people that engage in this type of behavior. That if one person is exposed in the group, and what behavior of, would you be talking about? Sure, that? anything, man. Any old weird sex cult stuff. something like, I mean, if, shit, it,
2: like, if it's if, if it's consul- kidnaps and if rapes it's... And, and human oh. trafficking
1: and oh, lads getting, that shit. No, yeah, 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 lads getting picked up off the street and brought to a party is like a because boy, if it's just if it's and they just, just sex fuck them to death and they just get rid of. If it's just sex, it's sex. Like, it's grand. Like whatever yeah. you're doing at the party, if everyone's into it, cool. Yeah, I'm talking about like. Picking up a rent boy and bringing him to the house yeah. and then fisting him to death and then just like getting rid of him. But because nobody found out about it, like it's not in the papers and it's not like a, a fucking true crime episode on a podcast or it's not a story for 22 years. Yeah. Like it happens all day, every day. There's somebody getting raped or tortured or murdered. As we're talking right now and as you're probably listening to this in the future, Jeez. somebody somewhere is it's getting a heavy shit, man. brutally raped and murdered. <laughs> like. That's that's it's happening so often. People are getting kidnapped and raped Ugh. and human trafficked and all this kind of stuff. Like statistically, somebody at this very moment, something horrible has happened to them like that. So like, if Barrymore ratted on the lads that were actually responsible, because now he has not left to lose. He's seventy. His career is fucked. Like, what has he got to lose uh-huh. in telling the truth of what he knows about that night? And that was the was we talking so about as we about Terry Lubbock. Like, what is he scared of? Like, okay. And I'm not associating the two, I'm just using it as an illustrative example. Look at how secretive everybody was about Jimmy Savile. Yeah. When it was clear and in plain sight what the cunt was doing, Mm. but they couldn't say anything until he was actually dead in the ground. Mm. That they could have said something when he was still alive, and an old man who was weak, but an old man who could still talk, an old man who could still tell stories, who could still tell tales, who could still point fingers and name names. So maybe Michael Barmer's going, right, I don't go to jail and I don't tell about anything to do with anything to do with this. I don't tell about any of the shit that went on at that party. I don't name names or get anyone else in trouble as long as I don't get in trouble. I don't say nothing. He don't say nothing. No one says nothing about nobody. Nobody goes to jail and I die with a small besmirchment on my character but everybody else who's involved in all the shit that I'm involved in. Yeah. It seems to me that there's something more behind the secrecy than just the death of Stuart Lubbock himself.
2: Yeah, yeah. he's covering up. A... There's
1: something, there has to be something more, or else why not just he rat said on the lad that actually done it at that party? Because there's, there's one of these nine. There's
2: other people who know what happened yeah. at the party. There's one of these and he eight wants them to other people. Forward.
1: Yeah, one of these eight other people in that house. And I would, fucking dollars the donuts, I would say it had to have been a man mm-hmm. to be able to overpower Stuart Lubbock like that. So there's really only one of I'm four about, people.
2: What do you hear about the girls that were at the party? Then are they for the girls, the Claire Jones, the 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 Yaman's
1: sister, Kylie and Cl- Cl- and Kylie. and Kerry, Kerry? Like, what have Kelly.
2: they ever been brought back in? What do they have yeah,
1: to say? They've all they've all been interviewed and all, and they've said what they said and
2: just said the same thing. Yeah, but the story's changed a bit, didn't they? A little, like, bit, a little, little bit. bit changed, and a new little
1: evidence, bit. and it keeps on coming back up. So we talk about that now, oh. but it's just such a weird thing. Mm. To do all of those Really suspicious acts mm. Like calling your PA To clean up Like fleeing the house Like saying somebody else say, Like understandable Yeah you flee the house So you don't get paparazzied Bringing the bong with you Having somebody Clean out the like why would you get rid of the thermometer that seems suspicious why would you take the handle of the shed that could never be found that seems suspicious when the mm. pathologist goes do you know what would make exactly this terrible uh, uh <laughs> yeah, these I've terrible injuries that, yeah. to someone's arsehole the handle of a shed did you have any of them around yeah there's one supposed to be around but it's missing uh oh. yeah. let me know if you find it because it probably is uh, the thing yeah, that they shoved more up his way, arse yeah, fuck. do you know I me mean? like where's the handle of that shed? where is that thing like it just—it's just so. Do you know what? I have a hangover like,
2: listening to this. I have a hangover. Do you, ever, do you ever go to a party and there was a scrap and everyone was shouting at each other and there was you split up with your girlfriend, like even whatever, and you yeah. someone chatted up another girl and you shouldn't have been talk- and maybe someone cheated and like a it's guilty shadow like. and it's just a it's horrible feeling. Yeah. I could imagine the depressing, yeah. fucking. Awful feeling the next day of everyone going, and then you're in the police station going, "Oh, and then you have to live Jesus like that for twenty years, Christ!" And then you are loved, and then everyone finds out you did what? Yeah. you know that shit. That like, just
1: must be the most. Welcome to the show, patzer. Horrendous. <laughs> this, is, this is those conspiracy guys. No, I in. know Here that. We go. <laughs> but that's no. the thing. Like to try and think about that. Try and think about that. Sit with it and try and think about what it's like to be Michael Barrymore and have that happen. Try and think about what it's like. For the Lubbock family to go, why doesn't he not just say? And we can fucking solve this shit, man. Yeah. There's something else going on. And I can't say that there is something else going on for sure. Mm. But from everything that I know, from all the experience that I have, we can only presume what's going to happen next from the stuff that's happened before. Mm. And I look at all the stuff that's happened before and go, there's only one reason why motherfuckers don't tell tales. Mm. It's because there's more tales to tell than just the tale they want to be told. That's why why rats don't rat. Because once you have one rat... It's pulling a tread on a jumper that just fucking unco- uh, unfurls the whole organisation. Here's
2: a little... Say... Say... Say Stuart consented. Just say. He's yep. not gay, but maybe he consented because of the drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't feel certain things because of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So he got down and dirty. He was, he
1: was numbed and he didn't realise how know, yeah. far it was going in.
2: Then he... Because of the actions as well as the drugs, yeah. heart attack, yeah. falls into the pool... Someone's out of their fucking bin, yeah, and just wanders off. You know what page? Yeah, what the yeah. fuck is that the happening happen He's going swimming. He's going for a swim. Nobody knows what's happening. The half now he's in the pool, and then he come back out. Oh fuck! He's dead.
1: Yeah, like a terrible accident, like like that movie. Uh, what's that movie with? Um,
2: but then your man was the what's that movie
1: when the lads go to Vegas and your man, your man is uh, uh, very bad things. You Ever watch that Christian Slater and yeah. Uh, uh, John John uh, Fuck the lad from the Mandalorian his name John Favreau And A bunch of those like famous dudes Are in it And it's like five lads Go to Vegas on a On a stag weekend And they get like this Asian prostitute And your man is riding her In the jacks And he's riding her on the bat And he's riding see, her on yeah. the floor And then he lifts her up To ride her on the wall And he's giving it loads And, see, and, she, and he then she her into the Her fucking head Like goes that, yeah. on the coat rack And she's brown bread, yeah. And then they have to Fucking chop her up in bits And bury her in the, in the desert And yeah. all the lads die One by one In weird circumstances And yeah. then at the end, John Favreau has no arms, no legs, and he's in a wheelchair in the garden going, ah, nah, 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 nah. and you're like, oh my God, that's the most depressing film I've ever seen. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of, like, what the situation is. It's just, like, a very bad things that just yeah. went really, really wrong. Yeah. But, like, there's no, like, delicious cinema justice for each individual character, like, and, you know.
2: Yeah, I know. Imagine all the parties that you were ever at, that you went. I mean... That shit could have went down Something
1: like that How many parties Were you at Where a sexual assault happened And nobody ever knew about it
2: Mm. Yeah probably
1: Fucking I'd say a lot bro If you're in a party With more than 15 people Odds are Some shit happened Mm. One of every three women Has had a a sexual assault I think that statistic Has gone up now In the last couple of years The last time I looked One in three women Has had a semi-serious Or serious sexual assault In their lifetime Like that's a lot Think of the women in your life And think of three of them one of them has had something happen to her. Like, think about the amount of times that there's a shit like that at a party where somebody dies, but it's like big knobs, fellas with money, that they wouldn't ring somebody like uh, the Wolf from Pub Fiction, like fucking Harvey Keitel, turns up and goes, "Okay, what's what's happened? What what's happened? Mm. You got a dead gay guy in the pool? Oh, he's not gay. Looks gay to me. Mm. Okay, uh, you got you got uh, cocaine." Uh, okay, we got to get rid of this, this and this. You got some bleach, you got some towels, okay. Do um, what I fucking ask you. Yeah, yeah. That
2: whole thing. Do
1: do what you fucking told.
2: Do, do what, what you fucking... Right now, you want to take orders from me? Take orders from me. You're running you, your own. You, you're running your, your, your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, I, I wish I knew that fucking monologue it's right really I can't around. remember the fucking...
1: <laughs> so you get the coyote coming to the house going, yeah. okay, you're going to dig the hole? You're going to dig the hole, Henry? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's, this, this is what's happening. Like, how many parties happen where... Stewart, there's no, there's no, there's like, missing, such and such a guy, missing for this amount of time, Do you know, like, remember the case of Trevor Dealey? Trevor Dealey. You know, he was walking one. I've seen on a CCTV walking down fucking Leeson Street, past some, like, estate agents that had its internal CCTV turned on, and he just walked past the window, a shadow past the window, and that was the last ever, ever anybody seen of him. Like, what happened to him? I think a couple of years ago, there was something about, uh, some gangster picked him up because he was looking to buy drugs off him and he drove him to Chapel lizard Chapel lizard they, they so, excavated that all area. I remember that. That yeah. was two or three years ago. Wasn't yeah, but two years ago, something like that, that your man confessed. He said, yeah, I killed Trevor Dealey and I buried him in that garden. I had to shoot him because it was something like a drug deal gone wrong or something like mm. that. Yeah. And I shot him and then I buried him in the garden and I dug the garden was he wasn't in it at all. But like, Trevor Dealey went missing and it was like a national thing and it was like, eh, there was a yoke on, a load of women went missing in the southeast, like in Wexford and all that stuff. They think it might have been Larry Murphy, like a load of women went missing. And then they just went missing, and then they were just missing, and then that was it. Mm. And they never found their bodies, and that's just it. So how many people, like, go missing? Because they were like, well, he was at a party, and then he was last seen with this person. And then that was and it. By and by the then, cop
2: shows, I, just, I assume, were we're, as we might have been discussing. but the yeah, cop we were shows, talking last night about that. And they, they make it out there. To- they
1: figure all this shit They'd out They figure it out They find a drop of yeah. cum somewhere Or a pube yeah. And the next thing Like you fucking Run us through the database We got him Like it was yeah. like two seconds Hacking into somebody's thing Bullshit But like very rare They like, still
2: haven't found Hoffa
1: So <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> at the foundations Of some building somewhere But yeah. like they still haven't found Natalie Holloway They still haven't found All of these people like, yeah. And uh, how many people go missing At these parties Where something happens And such and such a thing goes on And then the next thing They're missing like Stuart Lobo could very well have just been Gone just missing, missing. <laughs> and there'd be no autopsy, and there'd be no pathologist. We're gonna talk about the pathologist. There's no pathologist. There's no fucking drug test. There's no nothing. But because it was Michael Barrymore, maybe you know what? Michael Barrymore wasn't famous enough to make this go away. Maybe there wasn't. If there was, if it was Michael Barrymore and like uh, Keith Chegwin and Bobby Davro and Freddie Starr and like. Uh, Jim Davidson all at the same party, like the cream of the crop for 90s entertainment. Maybe if that, if everybody was there, maybe yeah, if yeah. Prince Andrew was at that party, yeah, he that Stuart Lubbock would, body would never been found. They would have had a Harvey Keitel, like a royal figure, yes, Your Majesty, okay, put on these shorts and t shirt and mm. clean out the car, you know, this kind of thing, yeah, like yeah. A, a a royal Harvey Keitel, yeah. you know, someone. <laughs> We called him the Irish Wolfhound. And yeah. he just shows up. How's it like, going, oh, lads? Yeah. So how we you doing, Your Majesty? I'm
2: going to tell you, see that, we're going to sort this out. What I want you to do is strip all that shit off you. I <laughs> that's want you a, that's to do, a great. That's a great. I want you to film my Yeah. You over there, stop fucking panicking. <laughs> Get rid of that fucking bong. Get rid of that coke. Take a chill you. Right now. to relax, relax, relax. I want you. There's fucking. Start cleaning. I <laughs> don't care you your royalty. <laughs> Get on your hands and knees there you like go, the lads. fucking
1: rest of us. Banging the door just gone. Yeah. <laughs> or, you, there's or, a dust off of you. Or Barry Scott.
2: <laughs> Get rid of the fucking skin cells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Just. But that's, that, that's a fucking great premise, man, for a short, for a film like, the, like Prince, Prince Harry is at a party or something like that. It's just like, I he turns I up, alright, Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the movie <laughs> The Gentleman when he goes into yeah. the chipper. Yeah. You as boys are yeah. fucking with the wrong people, like it's—it's just such a fucking weird situation, the way it panned out that way. Like, how did that happen? Why did it happen the way it happened? Why did they take those actions? And how is it not explained? Anyway, we move swiftly on because time is against us as always. Mm. Uh, there was an inquest into the deaths in September two thousand and two, and it was a media storm. So when everyone at the party that night uh, were called as witnesses, and Terry Lubbock, Stuart's father, was searching for justice for his son. Not all the party guests took the stand at this inquest, but Barrymore did and he refused to answer any of the questions about drugs. Again, understandably because he was a household name and it would have irreparably tarnished his reputation with the right-minded folk of the UK. So he couldn't be seen to be a cocaine addict because then he was like, a ah, cocaine? Mm. I'm finished with Barrymore. Do you know? He still had hope at this point that his career would survive. The court took 123 witness statements from 57 different people including the party guests, medical staff, and the people who worked on uh, Stuart's body over the... the you know, in the in the hospital and stuff like that. And then over a thousand documents were produced at the court case, such as medical and forensic reports. Now, I've got this a lot of this information, this nitty gritty detail from a podcast called His Name was Stuart Lubbock. Yeah, I think I've seen Really, really, really now, good yeah. podcast. It's about six episodes long, has all these little bits of detail. Um, and it's obviously like an ongoing campaign where the people who are talking about this case, they want justice for Stuart. And what to keep on asking for is if anybody out there knows anything. And I think what they're doing is appealing to either the people who were at the party like the Claires and the Kellys and the Kylie Merritts mm-hmm. to go if you know anything. Or if you've changed your mind, it's 20 years later and maybe you felt in 2003 and three and four that like you were threatened. Like if you fucking
0: say anything you're dead.
1: Mm-hmm. And so- now maybe those allegiances maybe those ties, maybe that power structure has changed and you feel comfortable enough to say something. Or somebody at the party like a Justin Merritt or like a a Kylie Merritt or a a, a, yeah. a, a James Footers, somebody like that has changed their mind. Change They're not guilty, mind. but they had they were had a few drinks and they were like, Oh, I'm feeling really bad. What is it, James? What's up? Oh man. Yeah. Do you know that Barrymore thing? Like I was there that night and the blah blah blah. And they tell one of their mates in confidence, and that mate now knows something. And these people are appealing for those type of people to come forward and give new information mm. to reinvigorate the case to finally get some new information they to solve it. They could do this
2: with private detectives and people who could turn up and give someone a drink and yeah, talk to people. Fucking
1: put it, put a microphone on those like secret no, microphones this, on the it, back of someone's car. What happened
2: to the objects, by the way? Were they ever found? No, that's fucked up.
1: Yeah, the thermometer and the hand and no and
2: DNA was taken because it wasn't a murder scene. No, There's...
1: the towels and all the stuff like all got kind of lost in the wash, as they say, and there was no real, like, murder evidence, yeah. Jesus. It's fucking mad, right? So, the forensic reports and the medical reports were almost immediately put into question then, after the pathologist, uh, the first pathologist, uh, did his little examination on Stuart. Uh, Dr. Michael Heat was his name, and he was later embroiled in a scandal, with an investigation into his integrity as a pathologist through suspicion on his findings from Stuart's case. Mm. So he was lying about other stuff, possibly covering up some stuff. I don't want to get into any defamation Mm. shit. But you can look up uh, Dr. Michael Heath. And he was at shenanigans and he was fired from his job and there was this whole thing where his integrity was put into question. So when he looked at Stuart's body, he went, uh, drowned. Never looked at anything to do with, like, you know... A, 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 a sexual, a violent sexual attack or anything, it was just like, ah, ah, he's dead, Barrymore. But, Michael Heath did, however, conclude, as did the other four, there was four future pathologists so That like four pathologists studied this case and each one failed to see what the one previously found. Like it was, I don't know, maybe the other way around, the new pathologist found something that the one previously didn't find. So each mm-hmm. time there was a new investigation, they found more Um, forensic evidence, right? But all of them agree that there was definitely severe and brutal internal injuries to Stuart's anus that were consistent with the violent penetration of a firm object. Getting into the good stuff now. Even though Heath's finding was that immersion, or drowning, was the cause of death, it was a lazy and not fully investigated case. And the second pathologist shed a little bit more light on the condition of Stuart's body and the circumstances of his death. But again, without any variance, Heat and the other pathologists agreed that bruising, yeah. bleeding, and the condition of Stewart's anus meant, yeah. forensically, scientifically, that these attacks had to have been done when Stuart was alive. Yeah, right. So other pathologists then were employed to adjudicate the case after the dismissal of Dr. Heat, and the next one, Dr. Jack Crane, agreed that uh, uh, the hard object in the anus was the the reason for his arse being in bits. Mm. but also added that Stuart would have been restrained and there was bruising of the shoulders. So you can go and see, I'll show the diagrams, maybe we'll do a visual thing. Oh, it's fucking crazy, man. But there was like bruising of the shoulders and of the arms. And I think, Patsy, you were saying to me, uh, if he was in a physical job, like he worked in a meat factory, he could be getting lashed around by the big bits of meat and those bruises could be conducive to his working environment. But the pathologist Jack Graham says, no, like he was held by the shoulders. These are like strong hands, Holding a man down by the shoulders as if you would doing like some something from behind, Do you know, like uh, I don't know. Uh Jack Crane also found these little red dots known as petici eye.
2: That's from asphyxiation.
1: Yeah, so there's little rashes. So if you've ever watched um uh Final Destination, there's yeah. a there's a scene in it where your man's in the shower and he slips and he catches himself on the thing yeah. and he drops into the shower and you <laughs> and his eyes go mad red and there's like a little rash turns up on his face eyes and his forehead Yeah, it's like it looks like kind of a meningitis type of red stippling of the skin Okay, and this shows up when someone is choked or strangled mm. uh, you can also get these petechiae from lifting heavy weights so weightlifters get them in their cheeks and in their forehead uh, and in your arse and your anus have you ever seen like weightlifters doing deadlifts and they go and they fucking Shittles. they get like sh- shit themselves or they get like um uh, what's it called? Disten- uh, distended, distended lower intestine. Like your, your basically your arse just shoots out. Like your intestines shoot out your arsehole, Jesus. Like a sock that's turned inside out. Um, you get them from persistent and strained coughing from stuff like and uh, mm-hmm. cough. Little kids get them. Uh, you get it from sepsis, which is like a blood, blood poisoning. Yeah. And then uh, women get them from childbirth on their legs, thighs, stomach, chest, face, and around the eyes. So Crane thinks that Stewart was restrained by the shoulders while getting something forced into his anus very violently, and this uh, and and he was also uh, had his mouth and nose covered, which caused uh, an asphyxiation, which caused the red dots. Um, he was possibly unconscious when the strangers then put him into the pool uh, in an effort to possibly resuscitate him after kind of holding his mouth shut. Like think think about it. One lad is holding his shoulders and and the other lad has his hand around his mouth and nose trying to stop him from screaming while he's rogering him with some implement. And the neighbours, as you said, Pat's earlier on, heard screams at five o'clock in the morning. So, like, two men in a jacuzzi got Stuart Lubbock. One was holding him down by the shoulders and the other one had their hand around his mouth doing something to his arse with an implement. And he was screaming, so they were like, put their hand over the mouth and he kept it there too long and he because of drinking drugs and all this kind of stuff, and the, like, crazy pain and assault to his internal organs yeah. tr- through, the, through the arse uh, could have caused a, a heart attack or panic, and, and he had a heart attack and, like, went unconscious, and they were like, oh, shit, he's unconscious, fuck. Uh, uh. Throw him into the cold water to wake him up a bit, and then it didn't wake him up, and they were like, oh, shit, and he just bounced.
2: And you your know? man, I don't know if you're going into more pathology, but your man, Jonathan Kennedy... John, John Kenny, Kenny. Kenny mm. was Michael Barrymore's boyfriend Yes History of violence Yeah Did your man Justin Merritt have a history of violence?
1: I don't know <laughs> But he was a dust man He was a, like a bin man a bin and he was man. very very strong very very strong hands
2: And he wasn't gay was he?
1: I don't know who was gay Yeah Well only, John Kennedy.
2: John Kennedy was gay
1: Well John Kenny must have been gay He's a drag queen. And Barrymore's boyfriend.
2: On, well, Barrymore's boyfriend but well, he was a violent fella Apparently this is Allegedly yeah Allegedly yeah He's a violent fella Um, So Loads of, I've seen loads of comments on YouTube Should have yeah. It was Jonathan Kenny Yeah of course He yeah. did it He was him Who just closed the case Arrest him Arrest him Like and everyone's like I know, So I am sitting there And going mm, Okay Because we all jumped to that conclusion Of course you would But But How did they not like, I'm How sure did the, they not have
1: enough evidence to convict him? I'm sure. It was him. Yeah. I'm
2: sure. I'm sure the police went down that road. Mm. You know, they arrested him. Yeah. Like the thing. Like and cops are unless they were completely negligent. Yeah. Or are they, they were corrupt? Pay, yeah, paid off. Negligent.
1: That's the thing. I think purposefully negligent. The only way you can miss something like that is if you're purposefully negligent. Do you know? What yeah. I mean? Like it's it seems too obvious. If people on YouTube can figure it out. Yeah. You know. So another pathologist then Dr. Ian Calder says that he agrees with the obstruction of the airway and disagrees with the drowning theory. He said that if Stuart was drowned while he was still alive, that his lungs would be full, like they'd have water in it because he was trying to <gasps> breathe in the water and he he would have, uh, yeah. uh, what's it called, uh, aspirated water so they'd find it in the lungs, but he was put into the water when he was already stopped breathing because there's no, not a drop okay, of water yeah. in his lungs. Um, and if the damage to his anus had been post-mortem, as Battermore claims later on, he says, after they took him to the hospital, uh, there were he was hypothermic, so they were trying to take his temperature the whole time, and his core temperature was taken with an anal thermometer, and they were just, like, really rough with the anal thermometer, and like, mm, the pathologist said that the uh, what was it that they said the 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 aperture which is like the yeah. the circular width the aperture of Stuart lubbock's anus was the size of an orange so basically like they'd wrecked oh, the muscles in his arse so Jesus. much that it was left gapingly open so big that you could fit an orange in there and ian calder said that this was consistent with uh either a, an implement to begin with but violent uh fisting it was the the the, the size of a fist and a, and a like a man's yeah. fist or a wrist, and it was it was pr- pr- uh, prolonged enough to be able to make the muscles relax. And then he must have died while something was still happening because the muscles never contracted back. Mm. So his arse was actually as wide open as an orange mm. after after that. Like that is fucking crazy, mm. right? So obviously something cr- like terribly violent and awfully mm. you know despicable happened. And it was was it consensual and it went wrong. At this point, like it's moot to even t- consider that, like, because he fucking died. Do you yeah. know? So obviously something was was not right, do you know. So straight after the case and the inquest, Barrymore was on the career. So that's the end, that's the end of the terrible Anus stuff and all that. You know, yeah. yeah. We're talking about Barrymore trying to get his career back on track. This is a fucking terrible murder. The evidence is out in court. There was an inquest, this stuff was made public. All of this stuff, like the secrecy, the the lies, the refusing to accept the narrative, the mm. the the people who weren't really like wanting to rat on anybody else, but they never let the truth come out, and the fucking <laughs> like, it's just such a crazy thing that could have been finished. We could have finished it. Just bang done. This lad done it. Yeah, it was him, Your Honor. We, I didn't have anything to do with it. And Barrymore would have been clean and out. And it would have been terrible because it had have happened at his house. But he just would have went, that lad did it. He was the one that did it. So somebody at that house out of the eight of them. It was probably a man. So It was only a choice of four. So out of either Barrymore, Kenny, Merritt, James Futters or Simon Shaw. One of those lads or, or a group or all had something to do with it. Mm. And nobody's talking. It's very strange. So straight after the case and the inquest happened. Barrymore was back on this C- career CPR kind of a tour, trying to revive his <laughs> revive his uh, dead fucking entertainment career, basically. So he went on this morning breakfast interview with uh, GMTV, or Good Morning TV, uh, that we had here in the, uh, Ireland, the UK, uh, and it was interviewed by Fiona Phillips from Dubai, and he gave her a lot of information. And it was, like, right after the fucking mm. uh, inquest. So we're talking early 2002, right? Yeah. It's like a year after, and it was still very fresh in people's minds. It was still like, still make a front page news whenever there's any slightly new revelation. Like, you remember how often fucking Madeleine McCann was at the front page of The Sun yeah. whenever anything like, oh, we found a teddy bear in Praia de Luz that may have belonged to Madeleine McCann. Mm-hmm. Here's the whole story again to sell this paper. Like, it was, yeah. you know. But this interview was a pretty obvious attempt by Barrymore to jumpstart his career by putting all the nastiness behind him going on to GMTV, which is like a legitimate, like, well-renowned, conservative-ish morning breakfast TV show. Yeah. And he came up with this whole big story, and the public didn't fucking buy it, man. He had come up with this cockamamie story of the anal damage being done, like I said, post-mortem, and that Stuart's butt was fine when he was leaving that house. It's like, did you inspect his butt after he pulled him he out of the pool? Didn't, you fucking ran away from the house, like you he know, didn't.
2: He, he said he he said him in interviewed you in know interviewed. There was no blood in his shorts, but then yeah, there was counting. but there was
1: uh, shorts blood and a, and the a towel and a dressing gown and all this stuff found. Uh, so mm. look, at, uh, it seems that he the stories all just got fucked up, and I think mm. Barrymore went down to this TV show not realizing that all of the inquest testimonies oh, now yeah. were going to be made public. So it's like. What are you saying, man? Uh, he goes on to the show and goes, Nothing happened. I'm totally innocent. You know what? You know what, actually? You know what, actually? You know what? I bet you that happened to him when he was in the hospital. I bet you they were trying to take his temperature because he was hypothermic and they just rammed the thermometer up his arse too, too hard and they <laughs> caused all that stuff.
2: I just didn't know. When he said Norse, this on, said well, this on a nurse GMTV. said something about that.
1: Yeah, he said this on GMTV and everyone was like.
2: But that's because a nurse did say it.
1: A nurse said what? Well,
2: she said she noticed something. I know. I don't exactly know what she said, but she said something.
1: She noticed that there was something terribly wrong with Stuart Lubbock's arse because he was brought in for a drowning. No, and then when she, they fucking put him, put, they were they were they were trying she, to examine him, and they were like, "This lad oh, drowned, but why? Why the fuck did you fit an orange up his arse without touching the sides? This is, is
2: weird." That, is the, is the, oh, I could be wrong here, but did she not say that she felt like people were using the thermometer wrong or something?
1: I didn't hear about that now.
2: I don't. No, I could be wrong. I didn't hear about that.
1: I could be wrong. She. But she, I know that the medical staff only. She planted the only... seed
2: in Barrymore's head. Right, is what right, I'm right. trying to say. I didn't
1: know, but I didn't find. Maybe I'm, about that. I'm, I'm maybe I'm misconstruing something here. Cause I didn't find out about that now, but it could be true. I don't know. Right, um, listen, if I'm if I'm <laughs> that picking that up wrong, <laughs> very sorry. What I do know is that when Justin Merritt was ringing nine nine nine, said if geezers drowned in the pool, that the ambulance took him. And they wouldn't be inspecting his arsehole because his pants would be pulled up and whatever. So they'd put him in the ambulance and they'd be treating him for drowning. They wouldn't be treating him for crazy internal bleeding Mm. and a fucking... uh, a a, a Terry's chocolate arsehole. Yeah. Right? Only when he got into the hospital and they did all the thing where they cut him down and they tried to do an examination like, uh, okay, we're well, gonna check the would... mate. No, but like yep. this is that's he it. was brought in at six in the morning and he was being treated for two hours. He only died at twenty past eight. So oh. for two hours he'd been treated in the hospital, still alive, and they were like, Oh my god, I was gonna uh, turn him over? What the fuck is wrong with his arse? I thought this lad drowned. Why does it look like he got fingered by an elephant? Yeah. And and then they discovered, like this shit is going on because they were trying to like take because he was hypothermic so they're were like we're gonna take his core temperature all right turn him over do the thermometer and hit, and the thermometer just got lost because his fucking arse was ginormous oh, okay like that makes sense fucked up but only when they got to the hospital did they discover those internal yeah. injuries yeah and the narrative started then he must have been sexually assaulted so Bar- Barmer went on the telly and went yeah the nurses in the hospital did it and yeah. everyone was like don't know man like that seems fucked up you know um. The, the the anal thermometer that they use for that kind of thing is only three millimetres wide anyway it wasn't doing like mm. a fist's worth of damage to Stuart Lubbock's bomb like yeah. so uh, he had organised this live theatre show after all of this right so after going on GMTV and being like oh thermometer blah he organised this live theatre show in the west end of London just like the old days trying to reinvigorate yeah. this thing and it was only a year after this incident he's practising hard to get it right but unfortunately when he went to perform on the first night the second night the audience weren't, with it in, him, weren't in it with him and they were just not responding to his jokes and songs, and the buzz was gone. They were just suspicious of him, and it was just yeah. like a weird atmosphere. It's even he's even been heard to say from the stage on the first night, "We don't have to get the music cues right." Asher, ah, sure, they're not even listening anyway. Mm. Like he was saying to his band on the microphone live in front of the audience, and they were like, "My God!" He's like, "Ah, it doesn't matter. They're not even listening." Like it was just disdain for the audience. They had the in for him. Do you know mm. the show was set to run for a good while, but it was cancelled because of lack of interest. The audience in the UK had turned on Barrymore and the one amazing thing that Barrymore had with his audience was rapport. That was like the biggest fucking skill. (laughs) He was a man of the people but now he was suspected murderer and people just didn't want to have a night out with a killer singing show tunes. They were like I can't relax and enjoy myself when I think that you might have had something to do with a lad getting fucking fisted to death in your swimming pool and then you ran away and then you kind of lied about it. Mm. Like the rapport was gone and that was the magic that he had with the people and it was gone. So the reviews were in, and the stage show was reported to be the, quote, actions of a desperate man. So people are like, this fucking show, man, Barrymore, is desperate. It feels wrong. It's so awkward. And with the show cancelled and zero TV prospects, Mm. uh, the ITV contract was fully canceled. Mm. And then Barrymore decided, fuck it, it's time to bounce, man. I'm out. I'm moving to New Zealand. And And he packed up, moved to New Zealand, and he was going to wait there until things calmed down a bit. So, in 2006, he returned from New Zealand. He wanted to be included in a series of Celebrity Big Brother. And he was in, inducted into the house to uproarious applause. You see a video of him being uh, let in. there. It was like, you're Barrymore, yeah! Like, as if they forgot he'd done some shit. It was like three years later, three and a half years later. And he you could see him, like, going into the house. And he stopped for a moment to be like... <gasps> shed a tear of happiness as he went into the house and he won over the nation Yeah, acting goofy being like old Barrymore and people kind of forgot that a guy died in his pool and he came second in Celebrity Big Brother and he thought right cool the wheels are back um, on yeah. I'm going to fucking start this shit up again it was Stuart's father pretty short lived because Stuart's father Terry so tell us Patser about Terry Lubbock's quest then
2: Terry Lubbock Stewart's father had poured his life into the case and spent the past 20 years battling the accountability of Michael Barrymore for the death of Stuart. When Terry found out that Michael was back in the country filming Big Brother, he wanted to confront him and ask him questions that no one was asking of anyone at that party that night. Terry knew that Barrymore would know something or be able to influence some, some of the other partygoers to give some information. There was even a cash reward funded by the Sun newspaper for information, which started at 20k, even went up to 40k. Uh,
1: Imagine, was, like, the Sun is like, yeah. we'll give you 40 grand if you give some information about this thing, yeah. when they're making millions off yeah. of selling papers about Barrymore. For, they couldn't give more than 40k like mm. well, this. They
2: but gave, they gave, at one stage, they gave uh, Kenny
1: 60 grand. Yeah, for an interview, but that was like and then you a gave quid you a, pro quo. like That yeah. was like... Yeah. we will pay you for appearing yeah they had a they had a slush fund the news of the world had a slush fund of something like two and a half million a year oh. to pay for these like crazy salacious news reports Jeez. where they just troll out out fifty grand just to get a front page story, like two and a half million pounds just as like a yeah. A sweetener pot Like a petty cash For crazy yeah. stories Yeah To get lads just to talk Like just so they can put a name and on And anybody
2: like. could say Fucking anything What would you say for 50 grand you know, I was driving by the taxi there yeah. And I heard screams And a towel yeah. With blood flew over The back wall I oh, was the terminal. Oh, no, no. I know uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was a fella Sold me a thermometer Said that'll be famous in years I sold it to a rich fella Called Epstein <laughs> 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 on, Oh uh, you no. Know, like yeah. What the fuck And like the sun Was always at that shit Yeah so on, mean, the
1: news of the world even more so Pierce Morgan's yeah. paper like
2: yeah Yeah yeah, Scumbags Scum And then Terry So Terry and his PR team tried to get Barrymore at the Big Brother house but to no avail They did whoever land in with a bunch of legal papers that were to be served to Barrymore They went to br- to the producers and asked could they be given to Barrymore but the producers refused Terry left the documents there to be given to the Barrymore team Terry got a call pretty quick and was told that Barrymore would see him and they would have a conversation they brought Terry some nice clothes and he met with Barrymore and chatted for over an hour this was small talk and nothing to do with, with anything really you know but Terry in the aftermath thought it was a clever date of time.
1: Yeah it was just it was just like, like Bar- yeah. Barrymore went uh, Terry went to Big Brother house and went look okay. at Here's fucking court thing. You, 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 you're compelled to fucking bear witness to this case. Like you have to do it now. You're back in the country, and Parham was like, no, "I don't want to," but I tell you, I know what you really want. You want to, you want some time alone at me to be able to ask me the questions. Yeah. And Terry was like, "Yes, please." Yeah, because right.
2: he's thinking of his son. He's not yeah. thinking of accountability of yeah.
1: everyone wanting. To. He's thinking just, just wants just to tell, solve the case. Just and tell get, me what happened. Get justice for his son, right? And Barrymore knows the answers. Or something. So Barrymore agreed to an hour of private meeting. And said, "Right, let's do that." And Terry was like, "Okay." And and the Barrymore team took Terry and they got him a hotel room and they kept him in the hotel room for two days waiting for Michael Barrymore to have a window of time to be able to see him mm-hmm. after the Big Brother thing because yeah. he was going around doing a media circus, right? And they bought Terry nice looking clothes so he'd look nice on the paper and they brought him to Barrymore's hotel room and they let him have an hour and they did loads of small talk and Terry in the documentary was like, he was talking to me for like now about what it's like to be a young fella and um what yeah. it's like for him growing up and everything and they said... Um, they gave me a list of questions that I was allowed to ask him. I wasn't allowed <laughs> to ask him anything off the list and I wasn't allowed to ask, ask him anything about Stuart. It was a fucking waste of time, really. Like, he absolutely got when lamped. He got pulled into a PR campaign from the Barrymore. Like, the Barrymore camp went, oh, brilliant, if we get Terry Lubbock in here, after this did big... They did, did they film? They, f- f- they took pictures of the two of them on the sofa and they took a quote from Terry Lubbock that says...
2: Oh, he's a very nice man or something.
1: Yeah, it says... Um, uh, I remember that. It says, uh, I don't blame you, Michael, was the quote that they put on the front of the paper. He and probably said,
2: said something about, I ran away. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't blame you. I for don't something. blame
1: you for that. But th- it's an exact quote. Yeah. The Barrymore PR team are fucking, Mwah. he had just come second in Big Bro- Celebrity Big Brother. They were like, right, now is the time we get the father's forgiveness. The nation will forgive us. And Michael is back making everybody money. 'Cause it wasn't just Michael Barrymore's career, man. There's a fucking team, scores of people all around him that were making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds off of his talent and his popularity. Yeah. And him Barrymore going out of business was bad for dozens of people. Hundreds, yeah. if if not hundreds. Like all of those TV shows axed, all of those like, you know, the 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 publishing rights and all of the fucking things, like all of his live shows, like at the theater, the ticket sales. Like, think about how much like Barrymore was a cash cow. ...that had been forced out of the milk business. Yeah. And they were like, no, nah, we got to get this cunt milking again. Like, mm. get Terry Lubbock in here. Get him in some nice clothes. We'll film him next to Barrymore smiling. They even said to Terry, like, will you shake Michael's hand... ...and we'll just take a picture of his, like... ...I'm not shaking his hand. I'm not shaking his hand. Because he kind of knew at that stage, like... ...I'm being used as a PR pawn here. Yeah. And if they, get, of, if they get a picture just... of me shaking his hand... ...and they take that quote, like, I don't blame you, Michael... And that lines up on the front page. That means that, like, I've forgiven Michael Barrymore for the it's death kind of my of son. It's kind of cruel, isn't it? Because it's fucking cruel. They took advantage uh, of Terry so bad. It's, there, cr- like.
2: it's cruel because it's it's like he's he went in with a genuine heart, saying, yeah. and Michael Barrymore knew how to do this. Um, you know, like he knew how to charm. He's an expert at that. He's, he's an, an expert, expert, and he uh, just
1: licked this hole. and making
2: sure. Look, and I come from the same place yeah. in London as you, and I'm fucking. I'm fucking, we're working class. Yes, we stick together,
1: you know. The Daily Mail organised a lot of it and uh, the PR team for Barrymore and they put it out on the papers and they got loads of paper sales and it was this whole big thing. But they thought like, now that's enough, now Terry's going to leave us alone. He's got his few minutes with Michael... Uh, surely now that's enough for him. He'll be satisfied, and he'll just fuck off and leave us alone, and he, we, we won't have to fucking deal with him pestering us for answers anymore. Oh, we, can, no. that, we can get back to Michael making did, milk. You know,
2: that torn me off Michael more than anything else. But
1: I don't think that was him. That was more of his PR team. But at the same time, it is very that's manipulative. Dis- that's disgusting. Yeah, it's despicable. Like, yeah,
2: it's, it's 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 the dad was distraught for years over the song.
1: And just wanted answers and he just was kinda say, like he was used as a PR as Michael, a PR stunt If
2: Michael Barrymore had said to him, Listen, you there could have been some of them at the party, I oh, was just out of it and it could have been some of them that did it. But I can't say that because of A, B, and C. I can't fucking say that. So I just get fucking absolutely in torn def- apart. In
1: defending Michael Barrymore to play that was okay to right? Yeah. He was just after coming second in Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. He was the cash cow to a lot of people's machines, right? Money, I suppose so. Yeah. They wanted to make him, make him keep on churning out. They were just like, "You got to do what you got to do." So he's just like put into a whole hotel room, right? You're gonna be talking to Terry Lubbock. Am I okay? He just talked all nice stuff. Now, the stuff that happened afterwards would indicate that it, maybe it wasn't Michael doing all this stuff. It wasn't like the the machinations of a fucking PR genius said. Terry made a former complaint to the the Complaints Commission and The son who had run a five-page article about this meeting in the hotel room, the headlines of I Forgive You, Michael, and pictures of Terry Lubbock smiling with Michael Barmore, they were kind enough to offer him a 150-word statement as a rebuttal. So Terry Lubbock had to, in like (laughs) a (laughs) tweet-length type of a statement, say, "Um, I was... Coerced into this meeting with Michael Barrymore, and I didn't get to ask my questions. And what? Well, I've run out of characters. Like, yeah, hundred and fifty words versus a five-page front-page spread. Yeah. They offered him in, in in restitution to like satisfy his complaint. They're like, okay, we we'll give you a a, a, r- a right of reply, hundred and fifty words. What have you got to say? And he's like, oh, go fuck yourselves. Like crazy. I, d- I mean,
2: that is that that that's the true power now of the internet and the podcast, and people can interview. It's like,
1: now, hold on a minute. You can you can make an Instagram post or a tweet, and the shit goes viral, and everyone yeah. gets to see it. Like,
2: yeah, your your you aren't in control anymore. Yeah, and they you, hate it. They fucking uh, hate it, man. Ah, uh, yeah.
1: But Terry even went into a book signing the Baron War was signing books in Waterstones. And, and Terry bought the book and he got in the last in place because he said himself, I didn't want to interrupt anyone's day because I know people love Michael. Like he's that <laughs> respectful. But also he fucking got a book, got Michael Barrymore to sign it. And then he held it up in front of his face and went, Barrymore, you fucking shoved this where the sun don't shine. In front of everybody. And he had told, he had leaked it to the press that he was going to do that shit. So there was like paparazzi there to... Take the picture of Terry Lubbock like shoving the book angrily into Michael Barrymore's face. Yeah. the Barrymore's security yeah. guards took him and they, they ejected him and all this kind of stuff. But mm. like it was just, he had a whole life of stress and misery and campaigns for justice for his son that weren't satisfied. Very sad to see his later interviews because he suffered a stroke and then he had cancer and he was just fucked and it ruined his life. And he's possibly one of them, apart from Stewart himself. Uh, like Stuart Lubbock's murder that night in Barrymore's house took Stuart Lubbock's life but it also took Terry's life as mm. well and Terry died in September 2021 oh God. from cancer after deteriorating really badly over the last 10 years since his stroke and uh, he was isolated in a care home for the whole of COVID and he just died there like 8 months ago Jeez. and coincidentally enough 8 months ago uh, Michael Barrymore started a TikTok account yeah. Uh, where he's now posting up like old clips that he has, where he's converting VHS versions of his old TV shows onto like. I watched a few of them. I watched a few of them. They're fucking hilarious. They're man. very funny. Fucking mm. hilarious. Let's be honest about it. But but he doesn't have the looming specter of Terry Lubbock's disdain hanging over him at all times now. Mm. I think at seventy years of age, Barrymore feels a little bit more freer now. That he doesn't have Terry hanging on to his every action and. Could it be a career comeback? I don't know, does he have the energy at 70 to do that shit? But like, Mm. it's a very fucking sad story all the way around. But Barrymore wasn't uh, immune to, you know, trying to get his own restitution. He had had his career fucked up. So after all the reopenings of these cases in 2002, 2006, 2011, 2013, eventually in 2015, Barrymore had enough and he decided to sue the Essex police for two and a half million uh, sterling. For devastating damages to his reputation Now obviously Barrymore was on his arse at that point in 2015 He mm. hadn't worked in 15 years He's living in a West London flat Kind of I'd say fucked for money If you know mm. He had released a book in 2006 or 7 mm. uh, And it had done okay But like you're not fucking Like how many times would you You go on a Pierce Morgan and you get 50 or 60 grand or 100 grand Like how long can you live at the lifestyle that Barrymore's used to Yeah On that kind of money Like he's running out of money So he's like I'm suing the fucking the cops mm. There was court hearings in 2015, but they fell on deaf ears because the court decided to offer money only nominal payments from the police for just a few thousand, maybe a couple of tens of thousands, but the, the the exact figure is undisclosed, but it's a nominal amount, it was called. So like I said at the top of the show, if this case didn't have someone as famous as Barrymore at the centre of it. It would have paled in insignificance like so many others in the past. But with Barrymore at the very centre of it, it's not hard to understand how much pressure was on Barrymore to give an acceptable answer at this inquest. He wanted that forgiveness and the old relationship and report he had with the public. Mm. But it wasn't coming as freely as he would have liked. And he wasn't fucking winning the war against this reputation of this murder that was hanging over him. So he went on this Pierce Morgan interview. And you can watch a video of that online. And it's about 25 minutes long. Uh, at its longest, I think it's the longest version on YouTube. But it's been sold and sold and retold in bold, taken hot or cold told straight and in the full tabloid front page gold wrote that about 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm like what yeah. the fuck fantastic money spinner for these papers like the sun the news of the world and they jumped on this exclusive even before Stewart's body was cold man they were on it front page splash Barrymore's face let's get pictures of Michael Barrymore in various states of fucked upness let's look into the archives for someone's taken a picture from like a, a, a digital camera from a gay nightclub and he's like meh with his fucking mashed up face Like we, anything that make him look like a cunt we put it on the front of the the paper. Uh, like you said earlier Jonathan Kenny got sixty sixty grand from the paper. Just America thirty grand for their stories in the News of the World for their Fateful Night. Mm. Uh Barmore appeared on the Pierce Morgan show then life stories. And Pierce went fairly hard on them, didn't he? He like, did. He asked uh, a few tough questions. So
2: was some other stuff he didn't probably ask him when he got he got criticized still.
1: I mean you're not gonna it's not a fucking inquest. It's an yeah. entertainment show. So you're not gonna like
2: but well, that's the level of they anger though Screech
1: the brakes Yeah people were fucking annoyed Like
2: Where They're annoyed because And it's weird it's, we, trust, we trusted you Michael That's that feeling like it's, but We it's, trusted you more And then that you came too. out as
1: gay And then we said Alright you're gay It's grand yeah. And then you did it again Yeah Like And then the papers have Still power Even though they were
2: Scumbags Yeah scumbags But, but they still have the power Because they're still on A little bit the right side Yeah even though they're not completely on the right side. They I mean, completely
1: distorted the events of the is, night. This is pre-Trump, so like, fake
0: news hadn't become a thing, <laughs> okay?
2: I'd love to do Trumps. Tr- How do you do Trumps? How do you do Trump? I am the best I'm at the fake news.
0: Tremendous fake news creator, okay? It's CNN, <laughs>
1: CNN Plus crashed and Burns, 300 million, it, it lasted three days. I could have predicted it. Uh, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Tremendous, tremendous. Tr- Pierce Morgan is one of the most tremendous interviewers. We had like, a great. I didn't walk out of the interview. Okay, I didn't walk out. <laughs> it wasn't it? There was he no t- animosity.
2: He's kind of like he's kind of like Jedward's fucked up uncle, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like <laughs> he even Carl. He talks a bit two like Jedward. Guys,
1: they jump. They
0: they dance. They sing. They can they, do uh, it all. They do- John and Edward, I love you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> tremendous
1: entertainers. But but Pierce Morgan like obviously didn't pin Barrymore to the wall, but wanted. I think it was more of a PR thing where there was like, mm. tell your story, and I'll ask you a couple of hard questions, but I won't push you real hard. What Barrymore did was he retorted with an impassioned, like I am hon- not ninety nine point nine percent innocent. Mm. I am one hundred percent innocent, and the audience gave a roar and round of applause. And yeah. it was you know, and then he read Barrymore read from a two thousand and seven letter from the Crown Prosecution I Service. Seen that. Like oh. that's that's some fucking weird shit. He read like I am a hundred percent innocent. Yeah. But Michael Barrymore is one hundred percent innocent. This is from the Queen's pen. From the court of the Queen of England. This man is innocent. Yeah. Pierce Morgan, tell everybody that I'm innocent so I can have a fucking career back because I'm on the arse. Yeah. I haven't got any fucking money and I need a new TV show. Please tell these motherfuckers yeah. to forgive me. Please. And it's it didn't still didn't work, man. Breaking into tears still did not work. So if you want to find some Michael Barrymore shit right now, he's posting Instagram reels and TikToks of clips from his old TV shows. Some of the videos <laughs> are uh, that I've seen are like stacks and stacks, of like floor-to-ceiling VCR tapes and loads of clips from his shows that he has. He's digitising them and sharing them around. And to be honest, they're, some of them are fucking brilliant. It's almost like he's a, he, he, he was able to wait until Terry Lubbock died and then he could make his return. Is, is he going to return? I don't know. Uh, he almost made it back to... Uh, public prominence with uh, dancing on ice in the early part of 2020, mm. but he fell in training and damaged his a bone in his wrist before the before Christmas 2019, and he had to pull out. And then, of course, COVID hit, and then it's you know it's been that ever since. He was a, he had his hand in the cast, so he couldn't dance on the show. And he was ready to get back to interacting with fans and having fans love him and being this whole, like trying to get that vibe that he got from the Big Brother uh, uh, appearance. But the Big Brother appearance was kind of marred by Terry like insisting now that he was back in the country on an interview, which kind of took all the the goodness out of the the, the common second place in celebrity Big Brother. And the whole like manipulating Terry into saying, like, I forgive you, Michael, mm. kind of left a bad taste in the public's mouth. Like, he didn't need to do that. And now you, we So then like after not getting into the the this the, the celebrity d- dancing on ice or whatever. Uh, He was like, oh, fuck, man, I I, I missed my chance. And then in mid-2020, the Channel 4 documentary, uh, Barrymore, The Body in the Pool, uh, was released and it turned all the goodwill that he would have built up, or if he had been on Dancing on Ice, like, thank God the people uh, and the producers Dancing on Ice were like, fuck, thank God that con fell on his hand. (laughs) Because imagine if he was, like, dancing around to Funky Town and fucking Ha, 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 staying alive. Still alive like the, these kind of songs dancing around in the fucking ice rink and then the next thing is a fucking documentary on channel four and it's like dancing on ice star recommitted to like you know anal rape and murder you're like that's not nice people like fuck so i said, they're delighted that he broke his hand mm-hmm. and this documentary came out and it started all this whole thing up again he was also in production to try and revive his show strike at lucky in 2020 And then, in the summer 2020, after the documentary came out, all of those Strike It Lucky revival meetings all dried up. So he's like, bollocks, like, fucked it up again. Mm -hmm. So Strike It Lucky was supposed to come back in 2020, didn't. So, like, every time he tries to resurface his career, it gets a fucking thumbs down, because you just are not going to fucking shit, until you tell the truth. Let the truth set you free. Tell the fucking truth. People will forgive you if you are innocent. And let's just get on with the shit, man. Get back to Strike It Lucky. Kids say the funniest things. Maybe a bit of, uh, what was that Saturday night one? Uh, uh, Michael Barrymore's Saturday Night Out. And it, was yes. like, it was like the John Player Tops one. They used to fucking love that shit. <laughs> so, here's the last part. We're going to finish now. So, in March 2021, the most recent revelations in the case, Essex Police yet again opened this case up and arrested a 50-year-old man on suspicion of the murder of Stuart Lubbock. This man had already been arrested twice before for this crime, but was released because of insufficient evidence. This time the man arrested in Cheshire was brought in because significant new information had come to light about the case after the documentary, The Body in the Pool from 2020, had been released. So obviously Mm -hmm. it triggered something in somebody to come and give some new evidence enough to reopen the case and rearrest somebody. At some point those people at the party were not going to be able to keep their mouth shut, like I said. They were going to be saying some pillow talk to some lover or partner, or they'd have a few drinks in the pub, or try to one up somebody. Mm-hmm. We're going to pass giants around. They're like, You remember seeing a dead body in the train tracks? You seen a dead body? Well, I tell you. I was at this party, and Michael Barmore says, mm-hmm. Somebody said some shit. I'm going to tell that story of 5, 10, 20 years ago, somewhere, sometime, the night of Stuart Lubbock's murder would be discussed, and someone knew something. Well, someone who told a story or was told a story, or knew something, came forward, because this new lead for the Essex Police came from a brand new witness who was an acquaintance of the people who were at the party. That was what the information was released. They said, after the Channel 4 documentary was was broadcast, it triggered somebody's memory, or somebody's guilt, and they came forward with some new info. Now, while it was enough to make an arrest of a 50-year-old man, who was also one of the party guests, it wasn't enough to convict that man, and he was yet again, for the third time, released but his name was not released. Now check this out. And I got this from the podcast. His name was Stuart Lubbock. From a Daily Mail article from September 2nd, 2021, by Chief Reporter Martin Robinson. There are profiles for the party goers from the time of 2021. They're obviously not allowed to say in these things who they arrested from Cheshire, the 50-year-old man. But in this profile that talks about this arrest They give the profiles of everybody who was at the party. So it's like, they're not allowed to say a 50-year-old man named blah, blah, blah. But they're like, a 50-year-old man was arrested in such and such for this thing. And here's all the people who were implicated in the case. We have Justin Merritt, who is a dustman, age 46. James Footers, who was 41 and is a cocaine user and a chef. And his entourage, uh, Barrymore's entourage that night, made up of Simon Shaw, the two two teenage girls, Claire and Kelly, And then Kylie Merritt, who was Justin's sister. And then Jonathan Kenny, who was labelled on the website as 50 years old at the time of the arrests. So
2: he's only 50 now?
1: He was 50. Last year, like? Last year, when a 50-year-old man was arrested after new evidence. I
2: thought he would have been older.
1: This is the thing. Like, they said it in the Stuart Lubbock podcast as well. It's like, an unnamed 50-year-old man Mm. was arrested in Cheshire for the third time on suspicion of the murder of Stuart Lubbock but we're not allowed to name him and yet (laughs) just do your simple maths of the people that were at the party (laughs) and And the only lad that was 50 years of age at the time was Jonathan Kenny now when you ask and people have said whenever you go to Jonathan Kenny and say hey man do you remember that night in Michael Barrymore's house do you remember what happened And he answers with the same weird phrase every time. He said, yeah, we all had a really good night that night. Does he say that? Every time, bro. How fucking creepy is that? We all had a really good time. That's what he said. Every time he's asked, do you remember that night in Barrymore's house? Yeah, man, we all had a really good time. Not like, oh my God, it wasn't that mental. Or, oh, I can't believe that guy died. It's like, no, no. (laughs) I remember that night, man. We wild. all had a really good time. It was wild. It's crazy, bro. We all had a really good time. 50-year-old man arrested. It's so weird that they would not put his name in, in that arrest yeah. report. And yet, like, scroll down the page, like, two scrolls. And it's like, uh, Jonathan, uh, like, Justin, Justin, uh, um, Justin Merritt, 46. Well, it's not Justin Merritt. Simon Shaw, 41. James Fudders, 41. Well, it's not them, because they were younger. And then... Jonathan, Ken- uh, Jonathan Kenny, fifty. You're like, well, it's obviously him then. Yeah. But you're not allowed to say it at the top of it. The- it's fucking weird. It's a weird yeah. thing to say. Yeah. But yeah, he was arrested for a third time, and the evidence was insufficient to convict him, <laughs> so he got to walk away again for a third time for free.
2: I like you're saying. What you're saying is making sense now. So Michael Barrymore wouldn't say.
1: Michael Barrymore is not saying who it was because he'd have to dob in his lover, John Kenny. Yeah, and what does he so have on him? So what does he have on Barrymore? That he won't give him up,
2: and so that there's there's that confidence to go. Yeah, we had a great night. Yeah, that
1: and he knows sides. that he knows some shit about Barmore or his cohorts, or he was at a party, he was at some eyes wide shut shit, or he was at some some fucking thing somewhere where he has enough security that he can go around saying, "Yeah, we had a really good time that night," and and be hundred yeah. percent assured after his third arrest that nothing's gonna happen to him. He's he's got away yeah, with it essentially. He's,
2: he's got away with it, and. And, and Michael- they don't
1: have enough evidence, and never will to convict him. So he's clean.
2: And so, but but the cost of that really is Michael Barrymore will never get his old life back.
1: But I would think, if Michael Barrymore wanted to get his career back, all he would have to do is go. It's Jonathan Kenny, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Kenny go. Yeah, well, Michael Barrymore did this, and he'd never get his career back. But not only that, why would Michael Barrymore not just clean his conscience and take? Because he's already took his lumps. Because he has no career. Mm. Why would you not just go Yeah alright fuck it And I did loads of other mad shit Fuck it At least The innocence of uh, uh You know Like Stuart Lubbock's memory Can be Like yeah, probably you know. Probably put him to rest and, the, and Terry Terry Lubbock's lifelong Ambition of trying to get Justice for his son And blah 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 I think there's even more people Above Barrymore That shit would that on. would go down <laughs> if the stu- if If Justin Kenny would talk Yeah and, like, if we know anything about, like, the 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 network of people that were involved with, like, Jimmy Savile and this kind of mm. salacious, you know, sh- uh, yeah. sh- sh- shady sex shenanigans that goes on behind closed doors of this kind of crowd. The celebrity crowd, I mean. Yeah. Fuck. Somebody knows something. That there's a reason that this is not being talked about mm. big time. Mm. So we're finished. That's the end of the show. Uh, I wanted just very quickly to get off the fence to find out off of you, Patzer. Yeah. Michael Barrymore. Is he guilty or not guilty, of either the murder or of the cover-up of the death of Stuart Lubbock. Because we've already talked a lot about the other kind of stuff.
2: He might be not guilty of the murder, but he's complicit in covering something up. Here's the question. Is it true fear or is it true selfishness? Yeah. So is it true wanting his career back or and wanting a career despite Stuart Lubbock?
1: Or still holding out in the hope that his career yeah. may take a, a jump.
2: Or is it because of a Fear of something else
1: Is there something Hanging over him That's bigger than this case
2: yeah. And and is there And there's someone say, Above him saying Forces saying Shut the fuck up Yeah
1: We leave you alive But you won't have a career But if you fucking talk We're gonna Yeah Your arse will be like an orange
2: Yeah <sighs> That's fucked up
1: Yeah Dark shit So do you think he's innocent Of the crime Like from all the evidence Do you think he's innocent Of the actual like Attack on Stuart Lubbock But he may be guilty of The complicity
2: I think I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure, but he looks well, like... Well, this
1: is off-the-fence section, so you have to make a definitive Right, well, I'd say... I'd, say, what I'd so.
2: say that his actions and the way he's talked, he is distraught from us. So I don't think he's capable of the actual murder. Yeah. I don't think he's capable of it.
1: That's just my gut instinct. That's my gut instinct, too. I am off-the-fence saying, uh, I do uh, not believe that Michael Barrymore had a hand-actor part in the physical... Yeah. Uh, Attacker, the physical sexual assault of Stuart Lubbock. Yeah. I feel that, as he says himself, he is 100% innocent of the crime.
2: Yeah. But is he complicit in. But his some... silence
1: breeds Suspicious. contempt and suspicion. Mm. And there is definitely something that he's hiding. And the guilty party is being protected by Michael Barrymore. And, like, if you're mm. harboring a fugitive or you're protecting a guilty party, is there not laws that say that you're just as guilty yourself? Mm. Like I feel he knows exactly what happened And he's not telling And that Really colours my opinion of him In the past and in the present mm. Like I can watch him on the TV and go Yeah that's funny But also there's a shadow hanging over him mm. Of that type of behaviour Yeah yeah. I'm not going to ask you who you think it Because we could get into Some territory of uh, Accusing innocent people yeah, of okay, it yeah. But you do think Um what do you think about Terry Lubbock's lifelong quest? Like, should he have just gone on with his life and just went, was well, nothing to do with it? Like, he really poured his whole life into um, trying to get justice for his son. And there are people who have had, like, their kids killed or their kids kidnapped. Like, the McCanns are still, like, living their life and going on and being, you know, being whatever medical practitioners there are. Like, what, like what, sh- what? should there be a moment where you just go, you know what, there's nothing I can do about this. Mm. Let's not make my whole life about it. Let's move on. Like, do you think it's noble of Terry Lubbock to to maintain that for 22 years? Or do you think it was maybe foolhardy and that he should have maybe just got on with his life? That's a hard question now.
2: It is a hard question. But, like, I mean, did he neglect his other son? Did he neglect his other family members because of it? Because of the drive to find out what's going on? And it's just upsetting and thing. Like, you could still tell your stories and still go, listen, this is bullshit. Yeah. This man doesn't deserve it, but I'm going to get on with my life. My family are important to who yeah. I have. Who's it, already here. Who's still yeah, alive. Is still is, alive. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard. It's very, very easy for hard. us. To, it's very easy for us to just say that. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to sit here and go, Ooh, what would you do? Like, I'm just saying that's from the outside. You That would probably be the best thing to do. Yes.
1: Most healthy choice. Healthy choice. Yeah. <coughs> I do think that um, grief is a motherfucker and it, it, it <coughs> displays itself in very different ways in different people. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Terry Lubbock was so racked with grief, remorse, guilt, mm-hmm. um, psychological trauma after the, like finding out how Stuart died, and yeah, yeah there, there's parts in the documentary who's reading pathology reports, and he's reading you know, like terrible, terrible yeah, uh, transcripts was, and, one, and, no uh, and and pictures and and diagrams of he didn't need that the, the terrible shit, yeah. physical. Like, there's certain things that you motherfuckers don't, need, them, don't need to know. Like, yeah, yeah. and he ended up getting these things, and I think the producer. Of the per- of the of the documentary said, "I don't know how Terry got these documents, and possibly he shouldn't have got them like they were classified documents, and he ended up getting his hands on them and I think he saw behind the curtain a bit too much as to what happened to Stuart's butthole yeah and and it conjured up like a very, very traumatic image of his last mo his dying moments mm. and I think that's possibly why he spent his like not wasted but definitely. A good tale of squandered his his tw- last twenty years of his life mm. in this very dark, grim, grief-ridden place where he was trying to find justice, where there was no justice to be found because he was exposed to something a little bit too too rough too rough yeah. for his for him to be able to handle. I don't think like did he engage with therapy? Did he engage with any kind of grief mm. counseling or anything like that? No. It, it it doesn't feel like that because he mm. he said himself in interviews he just felt stuck. He felt like his whole life was on pause for twenty years. Mm. And like that's not healthy, man. Like some shit, some shit's gonna happen to people. And if you don't fucking get going and get dealing with it and and start working on it, like obviously you have your time to grieve, but like mm, you have to, you have you to have process, to, you it have to process on. it and move on. You know? Easy for us to say, and all that. Uh, I wish you look, we've had grief in our own lives, man. We yeah. know what it's like. Yeah, like shit happens, and 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 you got to get on with it. Um, should we leave it there?
2: Yeah. If you, yes.
1: A fucking dark show, bro. Thanks so much oh, for joining. Jesus Christ! Where can people find you online, Patzer? Because you're, I am, you're I'm on, on Twitter. I'm not that, wonderful, I'm, wonderful. I'm I'm not that
2: wonderful on Twitter now. To be honest, I no, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. But you're uh, on Instagram. You're hilarious, uh, man. Uh, Pat, yeah. It's there's two accounts, and one is an old in Patrick Murray But well, my name is Patrick. People call me Patzer because it's street red They call you
1: Patzer, or hey, how did you get in here? Yeah,
2: <laughs> called Patzer is the Irish for scumbag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no money rest. Um Patrick Murray, I think it's just Ask Patrick
1: Murray. Yeah. And do you have do you have Patrick Murray comedy? Patrick? I
2: have it, www.patsamurray.com I said www.patsamurray Jesus Christ now. I see how it's a new website. I used that. Be... We
1: we'll we'll put the link for whatever it is, patzamurray.com and we'll put it yeah. into the description below yeah, so you can check cool. out Patzer. You do live shows all over Dublin and all over Ireland in fact, yeah, right? Yeah.
2: Gigs Rochindove International Bar, Laughter Lounge a lot. Yeah. Um, Uh. the Crackdown, um where else do we do? We do everywhere
1: uh, Cork, City Limits. City limits in Cork. So you do like all over Ireland and yeah. the big clubs. Yeah. If you ever if you're ever uh, on the lookout for a night out, a comedy night out, and you yeah. see Pats Murray on the bill, yeah, you know you're gonna get some uh Sweet, sweet comedy Isn't juice.
2: A, I, won't have a, I won't have a stint on Bar- Michael Barrymore. It's a bit dark. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do a few, do a few Michael Barrymore jokes and you, <laughs> he keeps a bag of oranges in the audience to throw out to people oh, as well. Jesus
3: Christ. <laughs> Listen. Get that's, your
1: vitamin C. Uh? That's, it, that's it for this episode of Those Conspiracy Guys. If you if you have any questions, we're definitely going to have to fucking have a chat about this shit afterwards. So uh, get on to the Gilded. Uh, and We'll have a chat about it. We're going to do a live stream and you can come and tell me your stories. And maybe educate me a small bit and we have a chat about that whole oh, yeah. shit at the top of the show because mm. I know it's something to be talked about and I'm not saying I'm the like defin- I'm not the defendant. I want to know more about it, it's an important conversation and it's some shit that like we're allowed to talk, we should be allowed to talk about so um, we have all the social medias, there's a, a magic link below, we're getting kicked off of some, we're getting fucking allowed on some others, uh, it's a fucked up s- kind of a landscape out there for social media and for promotion but if you're watching the show on video, thanks very much. You're uh, available on uh, whatever video channels we're still allowed on. And uh, thanks to all the supporters from Patreon. So patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. If you want to listen to the show ad free, get a load of bonus shit in the background. And uh, join in on the Gilded for uh, some, some private chats with me. If you want to get in touch, info with those conspiracy guys, the email or you can DM me on Instagram. And I'll reply to you when I'm doing poos in the morning on the toilet. Thanks so much to Patsy Murray for coming all the way to join us on this Thank episode you. about Michael Barrymore. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you. You're As fucking... I said
2: to me mother, thanks for
1: having me. <laughs> You're a fucking legend. I'm definitely going to have you back and we have to crack, when we have a bit more time. Uh, this is Those Conspiracy Guys. I've been Gordo.
2: I've been Patsy Murray.
1: And we shall see you again.
2: Oh what? Oh what? Oh, 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 oh,
1: What's a hot spot? not? Uh, An orange-sized arsehole. Good night, everybody.